Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. We almost had an Evan opening. He had an idea to start this podcast, oh. but he forgot it. So this is what you're getting instead. Enjoy. <laughs> you counted down to recording and then Evan all of a sudden... Starts like smacking his hands together and like <laughs> had way too many ringalos. Yeah, we give Evan like a five minute window where he can eat before episodes. We take Brad gave the food to me. I know. I didn't Brad's bring enab- it. Brad likes watching me be in pain. He was... came downstairs with a grin and said, "Ryan's gonna have an aneurysm." <laughs> yeah, but the main reason there was I was hungry. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't hungry. Uh, last episode, I opened with um, challenging you guys to. Um, Stop whatever you're doing, even if it was driving, uh, to go to youtube.com slash podcast and subscribing to us. Because I set the lofty goal of getting us to a thousand Are you talking to me and Brad? No. Because I didn't do that. No. I'm sorry. You haven't done it yet? You're such a pot. <laughs> that just goes to show I don't listen when you speak. <laughs> you weren't even here last episode. I wasn't? No, buddy. What was last? Wednesday? No, Sunday. Sunday. A Sunday? Where was I? <laughs> I don't know either. Oh, it was a long weekend. Where are you right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was in a canoe. I'm going to finish that thought in a second. As we're prepping for this episode, uh, Brad and I are talking about, this is the Atlantic Division preview, as you can see by the title. Brad and I are talking about you know what we're going to do and, and uh, what teams we're going to cover and everything like that. And everyone goes, what are we doing? And we just kind of look at him and we keep talking. He's like, wait, what's happening? And I was like, Evan, the Atlantic Division preview. He's like, aren't we supposed to do that Like when we're close to the season? We're like, yeah. Well, it's not that close. September 8th Prospect right now. Prospect tournament's going on. There's nothing. It's not that close. He's like, we need like four. There's four Sundays left before the season. I was like, yeah, how many divisions are there? And he goes, oh. Yeah, but one of those is the Red Wings preview. <laughs> no. So that's three. No, the one of those, that's going to be on the first Wednesday. That's when oh. we go to two weeks. I forgot we were going back to two weeks. <laughs> I love your life. Yeah. It must be magical. Yeah. You just stroll, waltz through, and everything just comes in place around you. Yep. Yeah, it's not bad. Two rules of life. One, be really, really good looking. Rule number two, don't be not really, really good looking. Yeah, those are rules of one and two. Uh, Anyways, so when <laughs> last episode, which uh, Evan was in a canoe for, um, I challenge you guys to go and, and see if we can get our subscriber count anywhere close to 1,000 before the start of the season. I thought we have a month. Let's just see if we, we can get close. And we were at like 620 or 640 or something like that. We are currently at 915. You guys jumped us up nearly 300 subs in a week. Can we get to 1,000 after this episode? I think so. But preemptively, thank you. Holy. are we? I was blown away. That like absolutely blown away. In our uh, Patreon exclusive Discord, I wrote, "Do you guys think that we can get to 1K?" And everyone's like, "Ah, uh, maybe." And someone, uh, a couple people were like, ah, "It's pretty lofty." Not to say that you can't, but like, uh, it's a pretty high number. I think a bunch of people said they were going to unsubscribe. Yeah, Rowan said he's going to try and un- get us down to 500. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys, uh, and let's try to hit that this week. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. No, and no, Evan. No okay. pauses. I'm, okay. <laughs> I will edit out your pauses. Okay. Yeah, you're getting too shifty. I need to reinvent myself. 
please, <laughs> please, I can't keep up. <laughs> excellent, excellent. The gears are turning. Uh, later on this uh, episode, you are going to hear from uh, friend of the pod, the creator of the nickname the Dub Dub, and uh, the funniest story we've ever had on the show, Steve Dangle. Um, but before that, we have some things to talk about. There's real Red Wings news uh, in the form of Nick Cronwall as well as the uh, prospect tournament. So we'll start off with Croner. It's over. He hung up the skates. He uh, he his, called it. His career has been Cronwald. No, I don't think it's been Cronwald. <laughs> Max uh, Max wrote a really good piece, which re- was really poignant because um, it was highlighting the fact that Nick Cronwald's last season was the first season in a long time where he felt like himself and was able to get back to the things that he's really good at, primarily absolutely demolishing people along the sideboards. Um the knee issues and the back issues and whatever else that he had really kind of went away for this past season. So we saw a version of Nick Cronwell that we didn't think we'd see again. So really, truly like the emotional fan in me read that and was like almost had a tear running down my cheek because I was, um, yeah, it's nice to know that he got to leave on his terms and he got to leave on a, a relative high note and special advisor to Steve Eisenman. Which is not a bad gig. Not a bad gig. Chris Draper did it, and now he's the director of amateur scouting. So, um, that was unexpected. I, I wasn't expecting Cronwell to step into the administration, but super happy he's staying around the team. Yes, he. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I don't really know what to add to that. Well, it's like you're not going to find a Red Wings fan who's going to have any other opinion. Which is, he was such a pivotal part of this team through both its success uh, from like 2005 onwards and was one of the only stalwarts or bastions of like sanity as they started to decline a little bit like from 2012 onwards or whatever it was um yes his play has faltered in the past few years um objectively from like a hockey man's perspective yeah i i wanted cronwell to hang them up because i wanted to open up that roster spot for a younger player who could develop and i thought he's offered everything he could to the team um and the fact that he's staying with the team, he got to leave on a high note. He's staying with the team in an advisory role. Like this is kind of a, a best case scenario here. Um, such an underrated player. When you look back at Red Wings history, like not that he deserves to be, you know, recognized over guys like Lidstrom and Eisman and Datsuk and whatever, but still like, he was such a pivotal part of that team. Like the cup runs that the Red Wings had, like those don't happen without Cronwell and what he's contributed. Prashant actually brought up some really key stats. Like, the, the amount of wins that he provided for the Red Wings, like it was top, it, it was like a top tier level of play uh, across the league. So Cronwell will be missed. Um, I would like it wasn't unexpected, but it was looking a little bit wavery there because there was that random report where he said he was feeling good. So what does this do now to open up the uh, defensive logjam? It doesn't. It does a little bit. It a does, little bit, but not really. It does by one roster spot. So it, it doesn't in a way that's actually going to like clear anything up. When we did our last projection on the subject, we didn't include him, and it was yeah pretty jammed up. So uh, I'm going to try and find my tweet here. You have your you know top three spots, or top four the, spots. The top solidified. four is pretty, pretty set. Green and Hronik on the right side, DeKaiser and Nemeth on the... Left side, you probably have Erickson and Daly on the bottom pairing, and then one of Bowie, Chalosky, or Hicketts coming in as a seventh defenseman, which means two of those guys are going to Grand Rapids, but two of those, but uh, two of those guys also are not Grand Rapids eligible, so we're probably losing one of them unless they waive Daly or Erickson because they likely don't get claimed. 
um, or they trade him for a late round pick if there is any interest. But yeah, that's where we're at. It's it's still a problem, not a franchise altering problem, but a problem. I don't view it so much as Erickson and Daly are going to be the third or the third pairing. I know like we can pencil in DeKaiser, Hironic, Green, Nemeth. Those are going to be the top four. Chalosky, Bowie, Daly, Erickson, Kasky, and Hicketts all realistically have a chance to vie for the last three, four spots. If we're talking based on skill level, where they're at in their career, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, the Red Wings have four or five guys that could step in there. Based on previous experiences in situations almost exactly like this, that's not quite true. At least based on if if you believe, again, we talked about this at length, so I won't get into details. If you believe the coach is making the decisions here, the roster decisions as to who's going to play. Past experience has taught us this will likely be Erickson and Daly and then one other young-ish player that he has a little bit of confidence in. So that could be Bowie, that could be Kasky, that could be Chalosky, that could be Hicketts. We do not know which one, but short of a trade, Daly and Erickson are going to be there. And this is when you factor in... The 1.7 injuries that happen to the defense. Yeah, yeah, a, a really rough preseason game alleviates this problem entirely. Yeah, um, we hope that doesn't happen, but it could, and it likely will. So, uh, would love to chat more about that. I mean, we sh- we could have an entire episode dedicated to just talking about Cronwell's greatest hits. Maybe we should do that at some point. Have uh, lat. Yeah, and then we'll <laughs> we'll get to that. But we're going to uh, pivot over to the prospect tournament right now before starting our Atlantic Division preview. Um, so the Prospect Tournament uh, ran this weekend. Evan, actually, you ran Twitch streams with some of the uh, patrons. Yeah, it was sweet. That went that went well? Uh, yep. There's a couple things to iron out still because there's a delay between what I see live like on the YouTube stream of the game and what my Twitch stream is, so I need to change the delay a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was fun. We had some good chats, and uh, it was a good time. Yeah, so if you guys ever want to, uh, you're on the fence about getting in as a patron, uh, you got access to that Patreon-exclusive Discord, and then you can join Evan in his native habitat. Uh, yeah, and I eventually want to get our YouTube account set up on the Discord, so... Um, when we live stream. When we live stream anything, it'll pop up just like with my Twitch thing and say, hey, stream started, one click, you're into the, into yeah. the discussion. I was laughing because... Uh, to get Evan to be more involved with patrons, we just brought the patrons to him. We brought them to a gaming platform. <laughs> yeah, it worked really well. Next up, <laughs> Windwheel Podcast recording on a golf course. Uh, there'll be a lot of swearing, so I don't know if we'll do that. Oh, frick. Like that? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Foreshadowing. That's all I say. Um, yeah, so the prospect tournament, the, the biggest takeaways are going to be a huge surprise for people. Too long didn't read. Valeno... Really good. Zadina, good. Cider, awesome. Hiroshi, great. That's the summary. <laughs> there you go. There is the Prospects Tournament in a nutshell. It's only been two games. There's still a, a, at least a game or two to go. Yes, yeah. But yeah, um, Joe Valeno. Yes. Joe Valeno. Joe frickin' Valeno. Joe Valeno cannot be stopped. Uh, he's He potted how many? Four goals in two games? Four goals in two games yes. thus far. Yeah, uh, that hug was Zadina at the end of his after his second goal in the first game was yeah. just like I was like, oh, this gave me feelings. This is foreshadowing. Yeah. Oh, my heart grew three sizes when I saw that. Yeah. And it was it wasn't just that Valeno scored for he scored them in a true variety of ways because he's he's got a good shot. But one of the main criticisms of Valeno coming up was he, he never had a great shot. 
So to see him uh, wind up from Zadina's spot and clap a one tee into the roof of the net was a very pleasant surprise because that was a hell of a shot. Another one he collected in the slot and turned his hips to get the angle on the shot, buried it, stole a puck from a defenseman in the slot, turned around, deked out the goalie and scored, and then buried one high short side from a bad angle on a pass from Zadina. No two goal was identical. He had the ability to bury from various angles, which is um, one of the more unique traits a hockey player can have as a goal scorer. His that that goal where he stole the puck and it was just like fluid motions, like steel deke deke right in the net yeah. was just like that's the level of intuition and heads up play that you don't often see in players. Like they might get the steal and then yeah. you know. It's hard to do what he did, and he made it look easy. Yeah, because now the defenseman helped him because he bobbled the puck. But what was right. Im- what was impressive about it was Valeno was chasing him as he was skating up through the through the slot. So Valeno was skating away from the net when he picked that puck up. He turned and was almost on top of the goalie and made the move right away. There's nothing about that play that can be taught. That is a hundred percent instinct. You you can't yes, turn with that little space, look at the goalie, read him and go, oh, I can do this and it'll work. No, you just have – you're going off your gut, your intuition, and your feel for the game. And he buried. Intuition is exactly the word that came to mind for me. Um, I, I saw some criticisms of Zadina, which seemed valid, um, which is that he looked – it looked like he was trying too hard to make something happen. But here's the thing. He was making a lot happen. He was making a lot happen. If I had one criticism of Zadina – it was accuracy because he legitimate. He, he's walked away from the first two games with zero goals. I think he's got like three or four assists or something like that. He should have five or six goals. He had a plus scoring chances and he was either missing the net or putting it right in the goalie's chest. Now, part of that could just be rust timing. You know, it, it takes a while to come back. Um, what I the main takeaway I took from that, he was getting the chances. A guy with his skill set is going to eventually start hitting the corners. It, He's getting the chances is the hard part, and that's what he was doing. It's the prospect tournament. These guys have not been practicing together all summer. This is essentially like tr- tryouts for your local double-A hockey team. Um, you haven't been playing with these guys, developing that chemistry. You're pretty much auditioning for an audition. I wouldn't tie too much to the results, both positive and negative. So to be fair, tacking onto both ends. It's not like Joe Valeno's a bona fide number one center in the NHL now. Uh, But yeah, you kind of just take away more broad strokes things from players. The biggest one in my mind, I don't know if I've already said that phrase, but genuinely the biggest one is Moritz Sider looks solid through and through. He is just a rock solid defenseman. He is really good. He was quarterbacking the top power play unit for the baby Red Wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked really good doing it. His puck skills looked fantastic. There was a couple of times he just straight up toe dragged guys in the neutral zone. Whether or not you should be doing that as a defenseman is a whole other argument, but the fact he was able to do it and pulled it off successfully uh, is a good sign. His puck movement was fantastic. The uh, only real criticism of Cider I'd have uh, from the first two games was I just wish he'd been more aggressive and he was aggressive as it is. There was just a few times on like the power play. He, he could have stepped into the slot and been more aggressive with the one timer and he just didn't take the space when it was there. But whatever, that stuff, a good coach will go, hey, see that? Do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he was solid defensively. He didn't even need to use his skating. He he didn't actually we didn't actually see much of his defensive game. Yeah. Because generally when he was on the ice, the puck was not in his zone. Which he is was a good sign. For yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it was absolutely fantastic. The pairing with him and Regula. Go figure. We have to put two righties on the same pairing because now we have a surplus. Yeah. Um, no, that's a that's a big pairing. Yeah. Those are some big boys. He came as advertised uh, with more offensive upside than I thought. Uh, had a shot that was tipped in for a goal that was uh, waved off, uh, even though it shouldn't have been because obviously they don't have replay in the tournament for the ref's sake. But looking at it on the replay that we had on YouTube, it wasn't even close. It was a very obvious goal on a very impressive play where he took the momentum of a pass and came back against the grain to have the shooting lane and got it through in all in one motion. So that's the tricky part. People don't realize catching a moving puck that's spinning on your forehand, coming back the other way and getting the wrist shut off hard and accurately in one motion is hard. That's like the Austin Matthews special. Sider can't aim it like Matthews can, (laughs) but just the fact he can do it is a fantastic sign. Uh, yeah, you know who else is puck handling? And it was a similar thing to what you're describing, Brad, where it doesn't look like a lot, but it's difficult to catch a puck and make a play instantly, like have that yeah. motion. I pointed out a play where Kale McCarr did that in his like fourth ever NHL game, which was a playoff game for Colorado. The puck popped out to the point. He immediately had a four check or a, a checking winger really high on him to try and pressure the puck out, out of the zone on the power play. And one quick catch of the puck and stick handle in, move the puck across his body, move his body uh, in the opposite direction. To do that, to have that much poise as a young defenseman is just such a good indicator for success. Because if you have those tools and you have the size that Sider does or that Makar does, like showing what he can do right now, that projects so well for your future. Defensemen, as we've said a million times on this show. So hard to predict, so hard to read, so hard to know what they'll be like after, you know, 200 NHL reps. But if you're doing that much right right now, it really bodes well. We've said from the moment he was drafted, doesn't matter about who we wanted to draft instead, doesn't matter if we think he was objectively the right pick. This kid, We're going to be this kid's biggest fans, and he has done nothing but give Red Wings fans reasons to be hopeful. Yeah, first check boxes have been checked. Yeah, and that's a, a perfect way to put it. He's checking every box right now. Who cares about anyone else? This, The Red Wings have a problem at defense, and Mo Sider looks legit right now. Not even legit like Joe Valeno or Philip Zadina could be legit. Mo Sider looks legit right now. You know how you can tell his confidence is high? Hmm. As a defenseman, he goes with the, the black stick, black blade, but just the white tape over the toe. Yeah, you know what? The Athena CU special. You don't see defensemen do that that often. No, I went. <laughs> I was a straight black tape on my blade, hide the puck kind of person. I never would f- screw around with white tape on the blade. So he he's a baller. And just the toe. Yeah. The balls on that kid. I love him. We didn't talk about the biggest thing that he did, which was lay out Kirby Doc and repeatedly go after him, oh. which is a rivalry we are here for. Oh, what was all of that. So <laughs> there was a play uh, in the first or second period. Doc just tried turning Sider inside out. And the good defender that Sider is just said no and planted Doc on his ass. Right. They uh, Doc very obviously did not like that uh, because he took a couple runs at Sider, notably uh, in the third period where he came right through the neutral zone while Sider was standing on the boards in the neutral zone and tried to lay Sider out, in which case Kirby Doc ended up flat on his ass. Mm hmm. Sider's got some bite to his game, and uh, Kirby Doc is a monster. He's a he's a big boy. He is a very big boy, and Sider wasn't even phased by him. So to be as tall and as good a skater as Sider is, and then to be that strong on your skates, that's rare. That's very rare. Like, because Sider's, like, a guy like Brent Burns has that, but Brent Burns probably has, like, 100 pounds on Sider right now. 
So can you imagine if Cider adds another 20, 30 pounds? I'll... All I could think during that entire battle back and forth was, this is exactly what Brad dreams of. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since he was worried that the Red Wings are going to draft Doc, this is exactly what Brad dreams of. Listen, I never hated Kirby Doc. I mean, Kirby Doc looked good. Oh, yeah. Kirby Doc also looks hashtag legit. He looked good on the shifts he looked good, which was exactly the problem with Kirby Doc, is you didn't notice him for, like, long gaps at a time. But when he was on, oh, was he on? Um... But yeah, like, not that I hate Kirby Doc, like, I was all for the kid to succeed right up until the Hawks selected him. Mm -hmm. Then I cheer against him just like if anybody else had been selected by the Hawks. Right. As you legally have to as a Red Wings. Yeah, so just the fact it happened to be Kirby Doc is just fitting, and that happens to be the guy that got in it with our first round pick is fitting. The hockey gods are real. I'm I'm here for it. Okay. Oh, uh, one other guy who was not getting a lot of love online from the prospect tournament who absolutely should. Because uh, he didn't put up a ton of points, but just looked phenomenal. Taro Hirose. Yeah, you know what? I initially didn't uh, indicate him as one of the biggest takeaways, but he did still look good. I thought Giovanni Smith looked pretty good, too. His skating improved. Yeah. Which was important. I expected yeah. literally nothing from him, and I thought he had good energy, and I think he had a Gordie Howe hat trick in the second game. He might have, actually, yeah. I So I thought he looked good. He's kind of a guy everyone's written off. Not that I ever think he'll be a bolt-on player on the at, on the wings, but I thought he looked good. Kuffner uh, didn't do a ton in the tournament, but he scored. But he got the chances he got. He buried, and he's advertised as a, advertised as a shooter. Shooter shoot. He took his shots. He hit his shots. Good for him. I'm not going to say he was dynamic in the tournament, but he did what he needed to do. Yeah. So good for him. Uh, Gustav Lindstrom. I really did not like his first game at all yeah. second game made me feel a lot easier about it so that was a positive sign but i i'm still not seeing what other people see with him i see a guy who might whose best case scenario is a reliable bottom pairing shutdown defenseman which is not <laughs> what i would have hoped from from There's a, a lot of guys who pan yeah. who project to be that he's uh he's projecting to be a guy a which guy. which will come in to, you'll understand later in the podcast yeah, yeah. he's projected to be guy with a capital g which is not what i would like to see picked high in the second round but here we are okay Atlantic Division preview. Okay. We are going to start off with our interview with Steve Dangle, because uh, obviously we're going to be talking a lot about the Leafs there. So that'll be our Leafs chat. Uh, this will be our first time having Steve back since, I believe, April. Um, since oh, the macaroni and cheese story. Since the macaroni and cheese story. Uh, we'll let you just experience the whole interview, and we will see you on the other side of it. Enjoy. After a long-awaited return, Steve Dangle, welcome back to the Winged Wheel podcast. Steve got all sexy for us today, uh, and we didn't tell him that we only needed his voice and not his face, so <laughs> sorry about that. You guys suck. My figure of Steve Eiserman going to waste, Nicholas Lindstrom, <laughs> Luke Robitaille, even though he's on the Purple Kings. Remember when they, when the Kings were purple? The best version of the Kings were purple. Purple and gold Kings is the only Kings that I think will suffice. No, it was the purple and white Kings. Oh, this is the Terrible. purple. Yeah, that's a bad one. That's not good. It's the Hamburglar Kings, the or no, not even the, the Burger King Kings. The Burger King, that's the best jersey in hockey, Steve. It is the worst jersey in the history of all time. Didn't and I'm so glad the Kings didn't win a cup until they went back to black and gray. <laughs> they made the greatest player of all time, where Burger King rotated like six degrees on his upper left. <laughs> Friggin' unbelievable, good Gretzky is like on the best player of all time because of that jersey. <laughs> it get, it gets called the Burger King jersey a lot, but I still think it looks more like the King of Spades. 
with the small logo in the top corner. No actual jersey, largely white like a playing card, and just the king right That's there. That's less memeable, Brad. I know. It's not yeah. as funny, but it's more literal. Looks like Brent Burns. It, it does look like Brent Burns. It was a prophecy. Old Brent Burns, yes. So as we're uh, – Steve, I don't know if we told you this. We're transitioning uh, more heavily into YouTube. So as we figure out all of our equipment and stuff step by step, we will get your uh, beautiful face and uh, even more beautiful figures in the background uh, on the videos. But for now – it's just your voice. Uh, the last time we had you on, hockey was still going and it was a little bit more painful. But we've had a summer where you've endured more pain than oh. us. <laughs> yeah, for real. After uh, Who would have thought after picking Marit Sider, sixth overall, the Leafs would have a more agonizing uh, summer than the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> Dude, I was there. And uh, I was there at the draft. Yeah. And the resounding what the hell from all the fans was pretty <laughs> awesome. And it was it's great when you see it on the fans. There was that lady who became a meme a few years ago. Um, the uh, the whole uh, who was it? Kakeniemi and, and Zadina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, yep, she, yep, yep, yep. She thought Zadina was gone. Um, but it's even better when the player is that meme. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just like, okay, I guess I'm a Red Wing now. <laughs> just this, like, six foot ten, like, kid who was not expecting his name to be called. He has, like, a burger in his hands, like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He just started it. Like, yeah. there's he's zero bites into the burger. That's how much time he thought he had. <laughs> yeah, it's never good when you see a player with a, with a full burger or full drink in their hand get picked uh, on international television. And I bring him up. To delay talking about Mitch Marner ever again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before the show, uh, Brad said, can we make a pact to just not talk about Mitch Marner at all with Steve? I was like, have you met me? That's the only thing I'm going to make Steve uh, talk about. It's, I'll do it on this one, but like, I don't think I can do another one of my own no. podcasts where, I, where we talk about Mitch Marner. It's, I, I have exhausted the amount of things I know how to say. You can only beat it to death so much. And like the news is so slow. Like, uh, someone, like, Dreger will come out with a tweet that says, uh, Mitch Marner is still an RFA, three question marks and, like, a palm uh, palm tree emoji, and everyone will, there's be three articles about it within ten minutes, people will be tagging you, like, F you, Steve Dangle, why is Mitch Marner still holding out? <laughs> like, what was, what was the top NHL story of yesterday? Was it that Antonio Brown tweeted the Canucks? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, like, unironically, yes. Unironically, yes. Yeah. Like, that's where we're at, man. Yeah. So, uh, Mitch Marner is not signed by the Leafs. Gosh, I wish he was signed by the Leafs. <laughs> the Leafs want to pay him not a lot of money. But the hiccup there is Marner wants a lot of money. <laughs> now, he might sign short-term. And he might want to sign short-term. But you see, guys, the Leafs want to sign him long-term. Which it's a huge, it's a big difference. And uh, at this point, I think I'd rather um, just cheese grater my face than talk about the, the. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. He's very good. For the love of God, I don't. Well, you think the Leafs are, uh, you know, as good without him? No. <laughs> Do they make the playoffs? I don't know. Maybe friggin'. Still Who have- cares at this point? Sit him. I don't care. Sit him <laughs> a whole year. It's, listen, it's been over half a century. What's another year? <laughs> oh, they won't contend that you all the waste the window. Oh, whatever. Whatever. 
You know they're gonna win the year that they win. They're gonna be like projected to finish fourth last because that's just the way hockey works, and that's the way the Leafs work. And boys, help me, I want to die. That's exactly what happened to the Red Wings in the mid '90s. First in '94, out in the first round. First in '95, swept in the finals. First in '96, uh, losing the conference finals to the Avalanche. Third in the conference in '97, back-to-back Cup champs. Back-to-back Cup champs with Chris Draper. Yes, Chris Draper. Who is now the director of amateur scouting for the Detroit Red Wings? That's right. Another yeah. prodigal son uh, returns. The one, the one dollar kid. I often think about the phrase "Clud Lemieux." I need you to know that that stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, because I showed him. <laughs> I showed him, and and uh, hey, you know who Mitch Marner's uh, agent is? Yes. By the way, the agent of Taylor Hall, who will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Taylor Hall. Him of noted macaroni and cheese fame. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to know. Is that on video? Uh, the, the part of you talking about it or the actual video of it? I've only been able to find you telling the story. That, so you you don't have that? I don't think I have the video. Ah, yeah. it's, ah, that was a lot of fun. That was so much fun just watching you guys cry about the story. Oh, oh, you're talking about us. Like us. Oh, yeah. We might have that video. Yeah. Yeah. Mike. Upload that to the channel for sure. My kidney still hurts from laughing at that. Oh. I had to have literal stitches in my side. I told them this wouldn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) God, I I hope Taylor Hall fires that guy, though. And for, for uh, everybody who's listening right now, I have no idea what Steve's talking about. Go listen to the last episode Steve was on for the funniest story in this podcast's history. I think it was April. It was April. Yeah. When did you do the book signing in Kitchener? Uh, yeah, that would have been April. Yeah. yeah. Steve came uh, came down after like a 14-hour day and then he drove. He had like a th- another two-hour drive ahead of him and the poor guy came down and was just recording with us. And I was like, man, I'll be happy if we can get like 20 minutes out of him. Like he's going to be like pooped. And then all of a sudden, I, like we were – like Brad and I were legitimately on the floor. There was an, our, our bodies could not hold, stand up anymore. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun that show, but especially the – I love – Telling the Taylor Hall story to people who have never heard of <laughs> Taylor Hall macaroni and cheese story. Go check it out. Uh, okay, so I had a structure in my head, and then you, you of all people, you have the license to dictate when you do and don't talk about Mitch Marner. So you covered that, so we're going to skip over Mitch Marner for now. Great. I, hey, listen, Adam Wilde is an amazing broadcaster because he's he's got to saddle this horse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a really tough job. Um, but other things happened. Uh, in Toronto, some of them which are honestly really good, and some of them which I will ridicule you for, and they rhyme with Cody CC. Uh, oh, dear God! <laughs> <laughs> but let's get an outlook on uh, what we can expect from Toronto this season. Outside of <laughs> they're not going to win when they're supposed to, and they're going to win when they are supposed to be fourth last, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, we'll we'll start with the big trade: uh, the Nazem Kadri, Cali Rosen third round pick for Tyson Berry, Kerfoot and sixth. That was huge because Nazem Kadri has been a fixture of the Leafs since they've become relevant again. Uh, long before that, man. Yes. He, he was drafted 2009. He was part of the famous clip uh, where Brian Burke walks up to Brian Murray on the draft floor and he goes, uh, is Kadri the kid you want? Brian Murray admits yes. And Burke goes, all right, well, we're taking him. Walks up on stage and takes him. 
the Ottawa Senators, by the way, drafted Jared Cowan that year. <laughs> uh, noted Leaf legend as well. Yeah. Uh, even though he never suited up for a game. Kadri, it's – I'm trying to think of how to describe the Detroit Red Wings uh, equivalent of Nazem Kadri. Like just a, a complete dick, a complete awful human being on the ice. Really rocky start to his career, but he was supposed to be the new hope. Finally finds himself um, only to disappoint you over and over again. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to playing against Nazem Kadri for the first time. Because you know he's going to burn you. Not just he's going to burn me, but like like with Leo Komarov. Leo Komarov's a huge pest, and he was part of the Islanders now. And, you know, first time playing against Leo Komarov, he's flicking people's helmets and ah, giving them noogies and, and stuff like that. But, like, when is Kadri going to, like, spear a leaf in the balls <laughs> or something like that? Or, or just – or completely just get, like, the lightest hook ever from Mitch Marner who's going to sign and actually play hockey games and Marner's all of a sudden serving a double minor <laughs> or, or something like that. But – on the other end of that, the Leafs get uh, Alexander Kerfoot, who is not Nazem Kadri, but he's a pretty good replacement, um, considering the trade is technically in order to get Tyson Berry, who uh, Kevin Papetti had an amazing tweet. Uh, Tyson Berry, I think, was on pace in a full 82-game season to score 62 points last year, something like that, which would be the most amount of points from a right-handed Leafs defender ever. <laughs> oh jeez! Ever, ever. So when I saw Kadri was traded, I was like, "That sucks." When I saw the name attached to it, I went, "You done good, Kyle. You done good." It's really surprised Dmitry Uskevich never had that sixty-three point season. I loved Dmitry Uskevich as a kid, man. I loved him. He was a he was a pesky bastard. Put up some points. I liked him. So talking about Tyson Berry, the one thing when before we start recording, we were looking at cap friendly on Toronto. What the hell is Kyle Dubas's plan for next year on defensemen? Because Morgan Riley is the only defenseman signed past this season, and the only two of the other defensemen that are restricted free agents are Ben Harper and Jordan Schmaltz. Ben Harper, I hope, never plays a game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so <laughs> we'll start with that. Jordan Schmaltz, uh, that was just a trade that made sense. Andreas Borgman. Um, was he's too far down as bad as the Leafs defense is on the left side it's actually not too bad they have options losing Jake Gardner sucks but you got you got Riley and Muzzin filling out your top four that means for your bottom pair you need to find guy and I think they have and you know Borgman was one of many guys they have guy so they didn't they don't even have guy on the right-hand side. That was the issue. So they went out and got Guy. Um, <laughs> wait, what was I talking about? <laughs> well, right now, right now, based on contracts, the uh, the Leafs' top pairing next year is going to be Jordan Schmaltz and Morgan Riley. <laughs> oh, for the love of God, dude! Yeah, um, that's what. Like, I don't, I don't know what 3D chess game he's playing. They're already talking about Tyson Berry wants eight million dollars a year or something like that, and I'm like, man. If he earns it and he's the guy that they've always needed, why not? Which it which makes me wonder when 
so the Leafs have two really solid, potentially NHL-ready uh, prospects on defense. They got Rasmus Sandin on the left, and they got Timothy Liljegren on the right. Uh, do you – I don't know when those guys make the team, if it's this year. Do you really – want them playing their first NHL hockey next year when you're forcing them into a huge role because you don't have anyone else signed. I don't, I don't know what Dubas is planning for next year, but guys uh, over a, a year ago, this time all leaf nation was fretting about the Nylander thing and what's going to happen with the Nylander thing. And then it went all the way to December 1st at the last minute, and they signed him, and we said, hooray! And we went straight to worrying about the Matthews contract. Then he signs his contract. Hooray! The same day he signs the thing, Mitch Marner's agent goes out in the media and attacks the contract, calling it terrible. And... <laughs> Leading up to the draft, we're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen with Andreas Janssen? The Red Wings are going to offer sheet Kasperi Kapanen, which was the thing I legitimately thought would happen. And then they signed them, and we went, oh, hooray. Wait, no, we were fretting about the Marner thing. And now Marner's not even signed, and we've already moved forward to next year where we're worrying about they don't have any defense. You guys are efficient in your stress. Yes, oh, very much so. The, the only thing that I think Leaf fans are, are keeping their head on straight about with regard to next year uh, with the defense is, oh, no, our, Leaf, our, our defense is going to be bad. <laughs> and the team and fans are like, as opposed to what? <laughs> opposed to what exactly? So that's, that's, I don't know, Morgan Riley better play half an hour a night is all I know. Well, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to. The problem is Cody Cece is going to be eating up another 25 minutes. Knowing that Jake Gardner left for almost no money compared to what everyone thought he was going to get, and almost no term compared to what everyone thought he was going to get, and then knowing what Cody Cece was signed for, how is that? How how is Leafs Nation processing that? <laughs> uh, very poorly. I don't understand. When I saw Zaitsev was traded to the Sens, I literally burst out laughing. Yeah. Um, it's it's a miracle he was traded. It is even more of a Christmas miracle that he was traded to the one team I don't get sick of suffering. Like <laughs> I feel a little bit bad for the for the fan base, but like you know how there's always the Gong Show team, mm. and the Red Wings have never truly been the Gong Show team. Like throughout this rebuild, they've been bad. You can be bad. Lots of teams can be bad. It's not hard to be bad. To be the gong show is to be aggressively whatever the Sens are are doing. So to see them get Zaitsev, I was like, this is amazing. As long as we don't get, oh my god, they did! <laughs> and then the galaxy brain thing about it was, oh, the Leafs are going to trade Cody Cece. And oh my god, they signed him! Thank goodness it's just to the one year. The one um, year. You know, And you know... I've warmed up to it over the summer. Like he may, I mean, you look at how he was used in Ottawa. It was pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> to put him with Morgan Riley, I'm like, yeah, well, at least he shoots rights. <laughs> um, the, the Leafs lost the zone so many times because they got, you know, it's, it's not just, they have a left-handed shot on the right side who has to handle it on his backhand. It's Ron Hainsey chugga-chugging over there 
friggin' guy who's got he Ron Hainsey they kept talking about was thirty seven years old or whatever or thirty eight years old. His skates are forty five. <laughs> like I, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen them. The way his tongue oh, hangs yeah. out bothered me so much. So Cody Cece's standard is he needs to be at least Ron Hainsey. Dude, it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm so amped for Tyson Berry. If CC needs to just be the slightest improvement on Ron Hainsey, and then the second pairing is Jake Muzzin, Tyson Berry, which a lot of Leaf fans are not excited about because of what it means for Cody CC. But if CC is even a slight improvement, that second pairing is pretty dope. Mm-hmm. And then we can go back to my guy guy plan. <laughs> and all of a sudden they have a defense that's pretty good this season and we wait for next year. How, so a question from a Red Wings fan perspective. How come you're only putting guy on your bottom pairing? Because we have it all the way up to the top. You're like five <laughs> guys on our defensive roster. Well, you see, what we learned about five years ago is that's a bad strategy. <laughs> uh, write that down, Brad. Yes, we have Heronic guy, 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 and we're yelling about which guy is going to be guy seven and guy eight, and it's a huge problem to us, and we've talked about it all summer. So- yeah, but you you got Steve Eiserman who signs guy, and guy turns out to be Yanni Gord or, or something like that. And that's get, the plan. You know, drafts guy, and guy ends up being Braden Point. <laughs> you know, so I, I I am super not stoked to have Eisenman stay in the division. For what it's worth, it's we've only seen development camp and two games of the prospect tournament. But do you know who's looked absolutely unreal? Who? Moritz Sider. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> we have I, all been very pleasantly surprised. It's got us through the summer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's sort of a good place for him to come in, isn't it? Oh yeah. yeah, there's no. Everyone is is saying this guy wasn't maybe the right objective pick at six. So really, all he can do is overperform at this point. We're not gonna be yeah. mad at him. It reminds me a little bit. He's a defenseman, right? Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Rasmus Sandin because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, uh, Leaf fans were not stoked on him getting picked uh, when he did. It wasn't sixth overall. It was in the mid to late twenties. But you know who Leaf fans actually wanted was Joe Valino. <laughs> Yeah, because it was Sandine 29, Valeno 30. I was so scared because going that whole season, going into it, the Red Wings were bad. So we spent a lot of time on the podcast on prospects. And the more I watched Valeno through the season, he kind of became my guy in the draft. I'm like, he's ranked 15 to 20. I'm like, no, he's a borderline top 10 guy. He's unreal. And then he just kept falling in the draft, falling in the draft, falling in the draft. Ryan couldn't watch the draft that year. He was at a wedding. But he's like, text me the top 10 picks. Yeah. It works. God. He's like, text me the top 10 picks and then text me again when the Red Wings, whoever the Red Wings pick at 30. I text him Valeno and he like called me yeah. saying I was lying. I was already screaming <laughs> about the Zadina pick and I missed, I think I missed like the first dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, who cares about the first dance? Uh, it was going a circle. It was some diet country song. I kind of, whatever. Oh, best case scenario, they dance in a circle. You ever you ever been there for a choreographed one? No. Oh, oh my god, I want to run out of the room. Get out of here. <laughs> That's for you and you only. It's selfish. <laughs> Stop doing it. We have uh, last year we had five weddings. This year we have four. We already have three planned for next year. Oh, you're there. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm there. I mean, I hope this, this is like a three-year window for me and then Hopefully all of my friends lose love or something like that. No, what happens, or at least in my experience, is I had 11 weddings in two summers. No. And then 
I had like a one wedding year and now it's picking up again. It's like wave two. Well, it's, my, I don't know like if it's like just people who went out and got their master's and PhD or something like that yeah, and yeah. waited. I, I don't know what the second wave is all about. But Successful uh, people, that's what it is. Just, just wait for the third wave, which I'm currently on, which isn't weddings anymore. It's children. <laughs> ah, yes. Yes. Yeah. I, um, last time... Uh, Last time I saw you, I believe your daughter informed us all that she farted. She, she farted. Oh my God! Steve was here a month before you announced. Before the big announcement, you haven't even heard yet. I got another one on the way. Eh? Hey, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, and Problem selfishly, it's due on my birthday. <laughs> That's crap. It's rude. It's it's like it's only two months away. I can. Do you want me to tell Crystal to hurry this along or what? I, you know, I'm going to be on a cruise from the third to the ninth. She can deliver on the second or the tenth or later. That's don't put this on Crystal. Like you knew what you were doing, and you can count. This is your fault, <laughs> Steve. Brad can't count, man. Oh, fair enough. All right. Well, the Red Wings have picked sixth overall the last two years. That's as far as I go. <laughs> Anyways, back to what you were saying about Sandine. Oh yeah. So uh, everyone hated the pick, um, and then he all of a sudden is playing professional hockey as an eighteen-year-old as a defender, no less. And all of a sudden, he's playing like. He had a bunch of games where he was playing 27, 28, 29 minutes because uh, the Marlies got into injury trouble. And all of a sudden, people love the pick. And look at that. It's a need. Uh, Joe Valeno's, uh, what, a center? Yeah. Yeah. So all of a sudden, he comes into a team that's, what, Matthews, Tavares, Kerfoot? Like, best case scenario, he's the third line center for the foreseeable future? Like, what? So I, I, I'm a big subscriber to the whole draft the best player available thing but what if you don't (laughs) because you really badly need defenders toronto was in such a funny spot because you had you had no more room for bet you had two top five overall centers in the entire planet first of all yeah and then you have marner on the wing you have nylander on the wing like there's nowhere else to put him valena would have been your fourth line center once Marner's locked up, uh, I think their entire top nine is signed for at least the next two years. Oh, geez. The entire top nine. They need a defender. Yeah. <laughs> they have no decor next year. And Valino's worked out really well since he was picked. And Sandine's worked out really well since he was picked. I think both teams got exactly what they wanted and paid nothing for it. Yes. It's nice. Last uh, Leaf-specific question before we talk about the rest of the Atlantic. Uh, and you're not going to like this one, and I think this is an annual tradition with me asking you this question. Uh, Mike Babcock uh, has been... <laughs> Every time we do the dance and Toronto you know, goes up and all of a sudden is disappointed, they lose in the first round or the second round, the, the focus is always on Mike Babcock. And there's still some residual schadenfreude from Red Wings fans, first of all. Um, mm. Secondly... Is this truly his last opportunity to find success with a team that, by all rights, should have found success by now? Or do you think that's overblown or overstated? Like, on the one hand, they keep running into the same bastard team every year. And they come so close to beating that bastard team. Uh, Like, this year... Nah, I was about to say I felt better because they made it to the final. No, I didn't. This should have been the Leafs. 
<laughs> this is the so the Leafs have lost in Game Seven to Boston three times since 2013. Two of those three times, Boston went to the final. Like, are, are, are you frigging kidding me? So, it, it, but it's the way they lost. It's the way they lost. Um, the Game Seven two years ago, you know, Morgan Riley takes a Zdeno Chara puck to the face uh, while he's off getting his face repaired. The Bruins score a goal. Um, regardless, the Leafs head into the third period with the lead, and Gardner completely fills his diaper. So how much of that is Babcock's fault? I don't know. This year, they could have closed it in six. They had home ice. They laid an egg on home ice. And in game seven, he didn't friggin' let his horses run. He didn't let his horses run. Uh, you know, Mitch Marner, John Tavares in a shutdown role. Okay, whatever. I, I saw its effectiveness until Zach Hyman blew his ACL. And then, and then <laughs> a few things drove me nuts. A few things drove me wild. Matthews playing less than 20 minutes in that game is a travesty. But also Babcock talking about Zach Hyman, uh, who is, I think, an underrated player for the Leafs, uh, really key part of their penalty kill, which sucked. Um, and it sucked in particular against the Bruins. Babcock's like, well, he hurt his ACL. Then why did you keep using him? I knew he was hurt. <laughs> well, what, do you, what do you want me to do? Take him out of the lineup? I didn't say take him out of the lineup, but maybe don't put him in a position where his ACL is as important as it'll ever be, which is on the penalty kill against the Boston Bruins, Mike. Like, it's, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. And, like, I almost wonder, because he's got two new assistants, Dave Haxel and uh, Paul McFarland. Paul McFarland I'm excited about because he ran Florida's power play last year, which was maybe the best part about Florida, second in the NHL. Someone's got to keep a clock. And they already show how much time each player has played on the on the underside of the Jumbotron there in Scotiabank Arena. Someone's got to be Mike Babcock's on the bench screaming in his ear clock because there was one game where Leo Komarov played I think it was 24 and a half minutes oh. he led it was absurd he's a forward <laughs> and like not even on the first line and when Babcock was told that after the game he was surprised <laughs> oh. oh you don't... like oh no I can't be right <laughs> what <laughs> So, but Dubas is taking away all of his toys now, more or less. BS. <laughs> you you want to bet? You want to bet? Who's the new toy? They have 37 year old Jason Spezza. They got a brand new Cody CC, and they got a six foot seven every time he steps onto the ice. Ben Harper. I'm just pulling they out. took away all his toys. You naive child. You. <laughs> I thought for sure it was going to be Freddie Goche was going to be the new Luke Lindenning. Yeah, Freddie. Uh, I or, wouldn't be surprised to see him get dealt. Um, like in the next few weeks, you know who might actually be Babcock's new Luke Glendening this year? Who? Luke Glendening. No! <laughs> no! It's not happening. Those trade rumors have never died. <laughs> they will. They will. You it guys might actually. Me. You guys might actually give Detroit an asset for Luke Glendening. Cool. <laughs> really good. Great. Can't wait. Uh, you know what it will. You know what the asset will be, though. Freddie Goche. 
<laughs> I mean, no, I, that'd still be bad because th- now you're just getting more expensive Freddy Gauthier. And like, <laughs> I'm not interested in that. But yeah, I, I now that I think of it, Freddy Gauthier is going to get traded because they got like two fourth line centers that are both better than their fourth line center. <laughs> this so I don't know how that's going to go. Um, looking at the rest of the Atlantic Division, what we like to do every year is uh, pick a dark horse team and pick a team that we think is going to underachieve before giving just a quick prediction on standing. So, Steve, I want you to tell us what team you think is going to be uh, the dark horse. People aren't paying enough attention to them. They're going to have some success. And what team is going to underachieve based on their projections? Um, I just... <sighs> this is the... Okay, what do you want me to start with? Uh, start with a, Start with a dark horse. Okay, dark horse. Uh, this is my dark horse team because they did not make the playoffs last year. And on July 1st in the Sportsnet digital studio, I predicted they would win the Stanley cup, (laughs) the Florida Panthers. Uh, they're my dark horse. I thought they were a great team last year, except for they could not stop a beach ball. And one of my favorite parts of ice surfing last year, ice surfing, uh, for any of the American listeners who didn't get to check it out was uh, this fun little experiment we had at Sportsnet. Jeff Merrick was the host. Jason York, who I think was on the Red Wings, um, uh, was the analyst. And I had my own little social desk. And we broadcasted all the games on Twitter going back and forth. Some of my favorite games from last year were Florida-Philly because just everything went in. Everything went in. (laughs) Every single shot went in. I think one of the games, honest to God, was 7-8 to in overtime. (laughs) <laughs> or something like that. And like there was like a four goal lead that was evaporated. Mm. Every shot twenty on rookie, that's what it was, essentially. Oh, it was it was just it was just absurd. And James Reimer was in the middle of that and I felt really bad. But like something had to be rotten there a little bit because Luanga was very old. Reimer gets in net and everyone's like, ha, he sucks. And then Michael Hutchison gets in net, ironically, now the leaves back up, and he sucks way more. Um, but now their defense has improved with Anton Strahlman. They get a two-time Vesna winner and Sergei Bobrovsky between the pipes, and if that doesn't fix what ails them, I don't know what will. So to me, they're my dark horse. And uh, the team that isn't going to find the success that is predicted or that they should? Dude, it's got to be one of or both of Tampa and Boston, doesn't it? I, I've predicted this about Boston the last three years, and they've just made me put my own foot in my own mouth every time, so I can't say them. Same. And how, how do you look at Tampa Bay and say that they're not going to have success? Well, I can look at Tampa Bay because there's something – it'll be really good for them, I think, to have Patrick Maroon in that room uh, just to be the one – happy guy yeah (laughs) the one guy who hey we won Um, (laughs) chubby but effective yeah yes 100 percent. so what what i've been saying uh for a while now and screw those guys for getting out under the callahan contract so brutal but uh what i've been saying about them is you cannot lose to columbus the way that they did without having something in you break a little bit like something about that way that team is built, something in the locker room. You can't they, – they were already mad because they should have beat Washington the year before. They had them and then they couldn't score a goal for two games. They were already mad. 
they get in there and they lose in the most embarrassing way possible. They looked like they were going to win the Stanley Cup for the first period of the playoffs. And that was the last period they looked effective. They blew that game and they blew the next three. Um, so could they crush the regular season again? Yeah, maybe. But I, I just I just feel like they got a little bit of the uh, – when the Leafs went to – everything comes back to the Leafs with me, I know. When the Leafs played Washington – that year that they shouldn't have even made the playoffs and Washington won the president's trophy. The reason that series was so tight is because the Leafs scored the first goal of the series. And it was in the first two minutes, I think. And it was in Washington and the whole fan base right in front of that team went, oh, God. <laughs> and they ended up winning that game. Leafs went up two one in that series. Five of those six games went to overtime. So I just I just get a little bit of a feeling of that from Tampa. Because even though they're the best team on paper, I don't think anyone's arguing that something's got to break mm-hmm. um, with the way that they lost. And with Boston, I got news for Patrice Bergeron and Zidane Ochara. Time is not the Leafs. It is undefeated. <laughs> uh, and you know what? It might not be. It might not be this year. It might be next year. Maybe the year after, but at some point, Bergeron, with those hard, hard, ridiculously hard miles he's got on him, is going to deteriorate. Chara has deteriorated. He was okay, but like the Leafs were punking and bullying him, and he was getting knocked to the ice by like Trevor Moore and and stuff like that. So, uh, and and does Tuukka Rask really have more to give than he gave the Bruins last season? So, those are the. The, the, the two easiest teams to pick for having a drop-off are the two best ones in the division. <laughs> All right. So now we have your uh, dark horse and your disappointments, air quotations. Let's rank the Atlantic from one to eight. Oh, God. I'm just going to assume Ottawa and Detroit will be seven and eight. You can just tell us which way they're going to have it, and then you can go from there. Well, the Ottawa X-Leafs, I think, are uh, they're going to be fun to watch. Um, a lot and, of shots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> high event team. Um, the problem, man, they could score goals last year, that Ottawa team. But then, as soon as they lost Mark Stone, it was over, Johnny. And I don't know if Tyler Ennis and Connor Brown are going to mitigate that. <laughs> um, and, and Brown is going to be good, but like, holy mackerel. Um, so they're eighth for sure. Detroit, I think, is going to be another team that's fun to watch. But, like, do you guys – It's like, you were talking about dreading this season. Is this not the most exciting season possible? Because I look at that team – and the, the, the things I've tried to encourage you guys with is, yes, they suck. But their best parts, the best parts of the current Detroit Red Wings are they're young, right? Yeah. yeah. Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha and you got some prospects. But I, I'm, I look at that team and I go, okay, that's great. You're not growing fast enough. You need you need a move. Like you need a big move and their cap situation's not great. But all of a sudden you get this new GM who knows how to Jedi mind trick everybody and he's the prodigal son and new GMs love to go kablooey with their team. So I have them finishing seventh, but that's not to say they won't do something ridiculous that just completely flips the team and the division on its head. 
I don't know. See, the the part where Red Wings fans aren't optimistic, because this was the season we kind of had earmarked where, all right, Hironik, Cholosky, Zadina, Hiroshi, uh, Rasmussen, they're all going to take steps and they're all going to have play key roles, is with not necessarily the cap situation, but the contracts they have and the veterans they have, most Red Wings fans are pretty certain at least half of those guys are not going to be on the team this year. Like, it's probably going to be one of Zadina or Hiroshi, maybe one of Rasmussen or Svechikov. Hironik for sure, maybe Chalosky. So it's just like, and even the moves Iserman made thus far have been so conservative. Trading for Adam Ernie, uh, signing Philpola, signing Nemeth, just guys to fill spots. Like you said, they're just guys. Yeah. So he's, it, it almost looks like to like idiots like us, he's just going to ice a roster to shelter the kids this year from the pain that's going to come. Hopefully Grand Rapids is a powerhouse in the AHL and they get all jacked up. Zadina, Valeno, Rasmussen, take that team to the finals or something and then come in next year guns a-blazing. That's the way to do it, I yeah. think. Like, when, when did Eiserman take over the Lightning? Uh, 2012. Was right. it 2012? 2011-2012, somewhere yeah. around there. Well, 2012 was the year that they won the Calder Cup, right? And and uh, the the uh, Syracuse Crunch? Crunch, I yes. Milwaukee Admiral? I can't remember. They always Syracuse Crunch, yeah. City and name. And I know that because they beat the Marlies in the final in very controversial fashion. <sighs> so uh, 2010. I was wrong. 2010. 2010. All right. So he's... It's it's not just that he's built a team that's done well or he's had success as a GM. It's he took a team that sucked and made them not suck anymore, which is what the Red Wings are. So if he's doing something like that, you got to at least give him the benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. We're not questioning what he's doing. We just know that optimism for this particular season isn't really there. We're just hoping, like the guys you mentioned, right now our hopes are Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Athanasiu, Hironik have big years. That's where we're at. So, but then it's almost like Marit Sider, where you're not expecting much, and ah! You know, all of a sudden, you know, they're not... The the team that we always predict to be... The, the first place team, I think, is way easier to predict than last. Yep. Right. Last, there's so many factors and it seems like a lot of seasons there, there are teams climbing over each other to get to the bottom um, by accidents because mm-hmm. they just don't know what they're doing or uh, there's a bunch of injuries or, or, you know, who knows what. I think the Red Wings, based on nothing, because that's how it works with hockey, will impress you. Expert analysis. And that is going to be taken as gospel. Good. You, you understand the listeners are going to run with that. Well, Steve said, and so you guys can't be down on this team because Steve said, based on nothing, there's actually some hope this year. Well, like as a Leaf fan, people don't realize that I actually understand what it's like to be a normal fan, like <laughs> which is the fans of any of the other 30 teams. Um, and like I understand how optimism works and how one might feel optimism. Mm. So I, based on my studies, your <laughs> tribe should uh, – <laughs> be an optimistic one <laughs> all right so you have ottawa and then detroit uh six going all the way up to one what else do you got here Ooh, oh boy all right who else we got we got buffalo mm-hmm. florida montreal toronto oh montreal 
I think, you know what? Mm, well, okay, Montreal's not done. They're so not done. And the hot rumor is that the Habs are going to wait till the last minute to completely screw someone over with an offer sheet. I love that. I would love to see it. It'd be pretty funny. Um, please do it to Braden Point. Um, I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. But uh, if it doesn't, there's two things. One, Jeff Molson has got to start screaming at Mark Bergevin to spend his money. Like, I can't believe the Montreal Canadiens of all teams are not a cap team. Mm-hmm. You've got to always be a cap team. You're one of the five or six teams that can actually afford to do it. Spend the money. Spend my money. As the <laughs> owner, I want a competitive team. Um, I'm tempted to put them sixth. I don't know if that's possible with a healthy carry price. I don't know if you can possibly finish that low, especially when Carter Hutton is the other team's starter uh, ahead of you. But I just feel like so many things went right for Montreal last year. So many guys had years that are going to be so difficult to duplicate. Uh, I can't see them doing better Mm. than they did. Um, And they don't have Andrew Shaw anymore, who was surprisingly effective. Well, and there's that. I'll put Montreal at six because there are teams that are more immune to nonsense and that rush to the bottom. (laughs) And the the Leafs are certainly one of those teams. Montreal's got to be one of those teams, right? Where things either go magically well or tragically awful. Yes. Um, So it could be them. Are you? I don't. So if you're putting Montreal in the draft lottery scenario, are you ready for all the Lafreniere to stay in Quebec garbage that would come out before the draft? Oh, oh my God. Lee, oh, my God. The the worst thing that could happen to that team is that they actually get him. (laughs) You know what I mean? The worst thing for Lafreniere would be for him to go to Montreal. Oh, my God. It'd It'd be terrible. Like, the one... Man, like Mitch Marner, uh, if he gets re-signed, for the love of God, uh, has got to be stoked that, like, Matthews is really technically the face of the team. Like, as not a local guy. Uh Right? And Lafreniere, I'll stand by this. Tyler Sagan as a star in this league. He would have been a bum in Toronto. If if the Leafs had kept that pick and and he ended up being second overall, he would have been a bust. Canadian media, man. Is absolutely brutal to play yeah, under that media. microscope. Media. That's what everyone <laughs> loves to say. The media would have been brutal. I think uh, getting recognized in every single bar you walk into as a millionaire nineteen-year-old uh, would have been uh, would have been worse. Yeah, that'll also do it. I don't. I, I surprisingly, I haven't felt that pain. So. Right. Yeah. Me needs. Me needs. <laughs> That that reminds me. One day I gotta tell Steve my Mitch Marner at a restaurant in Toronto story. Oh, was did they think you were him? No, uh, I actually. Okay, so I'll tell it now. I'll try it. It's a long-ish story, so I'll make it as brief as I can. So we had Mitch Marner into our store for a signing. Okay, so Mitch and right. his dad knew who we were because he spent an afternoon with us. A uh, couple weeks after we went for a dinner in Toronto at this steakhouse and Marner and Dylan Strom were there with their girlfriends eating at the table behind us. So we had our back. I had my back to them, but we knew they were there. We kept laughing the whole dinner because every eyeball in this room was on Marner the entire time. And he hadn't played a game for the Leafs yet. This was the summer before his oh, debut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, when he came to our store and signed, he actually stayed for an extra hour. So we were we were very happy and impressed with like hey thank you for you know accommodating everybody 
So when they were there, we didn't want to bother them during their meal because we know you don't, the last thing you want to do it, when you're in public as a celebrity is have people come up to you and engage you because then everybody's coming, right? So we just told the waiter as a thank you to Mitch for giving us the extra hour, whatever the bottle of wine is on their table, we'll pay for it, but don't tell them till the end of their meal or whatever till they're leaving because leave us alone, right? Said whatever the bottle of wine on their table. We asked first. It wasn't that oh, bad. <laughs> good veteran move. Yeah, wow, buddy. We, we confirmed it Take was your life in your hands. Yeah, it it wasn't as cheap as we would have bought, but it was fine. Okay. Um, so they okay. got up. They finished their meal before us, and that's when I guess they noticed the wine wasn't on their bill. So they asked about it. The waiter just kind of like pointed at us. So they recognized us. So Strom and Marner and their girlfriends got up and walked over to us. In the middle of this crowded restaurant, like, oh, hey, guys, how's it going? So I get to have the bragging rights forever that I saw Mitch Marner in a restaurant and he walked up to me. That's <laughs> excellent. That's 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 some celebrity status right there. And right? then all of a sudden, everyone's like, who the hell is that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and that was the day Mitch Marner uh, got that little twinkle in his eye and said, I can have $12 million. Yeah. <laughs> so this is you know what? I'm going to hold out. <laughs> We wrote the fan in the restaurant going, I think that's Larry Tenenbaum. (laughs) He's a lot younger than I thought. (laughs) All right. Very quickly. We got Ottawa. We got Detroit. We got Montreal. You have five teams left to designate Steve. Buffalo's got to be number five. Uh, Darlene, I think is going to go in beast mode. Um, Hutton's going to be less of a bum. Uh, Their defense uh, who'd they end up getting? They got what's his futs from Vegas. Who and I now call him what's his futs because he's not a leaf, and I wanted him to be uh, Colin Miller. Yes, Colin Miller. That's right. And I believe they got uh, someone else as well. Brandon Montour uh, mid-season last year. Yeah, and that was a very odd move. And they got uh, Yoki Haru from uh, Chicago. Okay, how are you? Yes, and, uh, but Rich Delinen has demanded a trade, so that's still up in the air. Right, which might actually help them. Um, so there's that. Buffalo is an interesting team, and I have trouble placing them similarly to how I have trouble placing Montreal. There's just too many factors that can make them either great or garbage. Right? It's uh, yeah. there's there's good teams, and you're like, okay, how good are they? There's bad teams, you're like, how bad are they? And then there's teams who I don't even know what you are. <laughs> I don't know what Buffalo is. I don't know what Montreal is. Yeah, Buffalo's one Jack Eichel injury away from the Ottawa tier. Right. Well, and people forget that's how they started their year last year, right? With a high ankle sprain to to Jack Eichel. So if they just don't start the season that way with an injury to their franchise player, uh, they will probably do better. Uh, so okay, you got Ottawa, Detroit, Montreal, Buffalo. Are you going to put Florida or are you going to get into the uh, the top three for no, for number four? Well, he picked them for the cup. He can't put them four. Sure you can. Sure you I can. Mean, I could because that puts you in wild card territory. Can I be an idiot? Yeah, on this podcast, absolutely. I'm going to be an idiot and pick Boston. Okay. I'm going to be a complete moron and pick Boston. I know what they've done to the team. Um, I just – the way, especially the way um, Marchand and Bergeron really like just deteriorated throughout the playoffs, and I know Pasternak was battling injury the whole time, and they made DeBrusque play with a concussion for 
I'm fairly certain two months and Chara's well into his forties and Bergeron's getting older. I just, I can't see how that sustains and Rask plays like the best hockey of his life. Just, I, I, I can't confidently, you know, often the team that goes to the Stanley cup final, that's why winning back to back is so amazing, right? It's so rare. It's so hard to do. And I think, Pittsburgh was the first team to do it since Detroit, right? Correct. Yes. It's unbelievable. It's a really hard uh, thing to achieve. The team that goes to the Stanley Cup final often I at least has a bad start, if not an underwhelming season. And I think we saw that with Vegas. Um, it's got to be Boston at some point. And I feel like, I feel like they're the, anti, the anti-Carolina. You know how Carolina was everyone's pick forever? Yes. Once people stopped believing in them, they made it. <laughs> they're, they're, the Boston is the opposite of that. They're, okay, they're finally, you know, everyone goes, they're going to drop off, they're going to drop off, they're going to drop off. They never drop off. This is the year they finally do. And so because you said it, it's still not going to happen this year. Because I said it, they'll beat the Leafs again. <laughs> <laughs> and then now your top three. Well, honestly, because I picked Florida to win the cup. Uh, oh, no. I just realized something. If I pick Florida to be two or three, I either got to put the Leafs one or condemn the Leafs to another first-round loss. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, then if the Leafs, if you put the Leafs first, there's a reasonable chance they're playing Boston as a wild card in the first round. <laughs> God, you're right. I'll put the Leafs three. Leafs I'll, third. I'll put the Leafs three. Uh, I could also see them being four. I think it's going to be really tight uh, with at least three of those top four teams. Um, Tyson Barry. I mean, they're another team that's so hard to read. Um, and one thing you <laughs> one thing you can say about the Leafs is, uh, you know, unlike Montreal, you can't say so many things went right for them last year. <laughs> it was a nightmare uh, with the whole Nylander saga and the, you know, the fact that they might relive the damn thing. Um, Travis Dermott won't start the season. It doesn't sound like Zach Hyman won't start the season. It doesn't sound like we have no idea. I'm going to go ahead and assume Mitch Marner uh, starts the season, but Cody Cece is a huge X factor. Um, well, you're just going to throw Tyson Berry in as your top right-handed D uh, right away on a completely new team and expect nothing to happen there. Um, is John Tavares going to score 47 goals again, even if the season goes well? Like 47 is really good, guys. That's it's he can have an excellent season and still not duplicate that. Maybe not even hit forty, which he had never done before. Um, so I'll I'll have them going third. And so does that mean Tampa Bay second, and then Florida finishes first? Um, I'll still say Florida second. Florida second. No, because they can't finish first because that's the kiss of death. Right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so this is keeping into your Florida winning the cup prediction. Yeah, yes. So Florida, I mean, I just think they're a really good team. Um, they had a lethal power play last year. I assume they don't forget how to do that, even if the assistant coach who ran it is gone. No. Um, oh, I completely, I did, where did I stand? Like, I assume it doesn't work that way. 
Um, and they finally got uh, a better goalie in Anton Strallman, and they're a young team. Uh, they're all going to go up a year. Like, they're not at 18 to 19 young. They're 23 to 24, 24 to 25. They're entering their prime young. Um, they're just a really exciting team to me, and I think they'll be number two. And Tampa will be number one because they're Tampa. I hope Steve realizes what he just did by putting Florida second and picking him for the cup because he just gave them a first-round matchup against the Leafs, which means, again, the Leafs are not getting out of the first round. Oh, yeah, he recognized that. He said he, he knows he condemned them. It's yeah. uh, it's funny how the convergence, as he tried to like navigate them away from Boston, <laughs> he just brought them back to the same pit of misery. Hello, and welcome to my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. Um we uh, this is the second time this year we've had you on, but we'll uh, there's gonna be plenty more. It's always exciting when we can do this. There's gonna be a lot of a lot more crossover between Steve Dangle and the Winged Wheel podcast as well. I, we still have to get Adam on here. Adam's due to be on here. He said he yeah, would, he, and then what was this before I go? What was this about? Like you guys wanting to bang me or something like that? I saw on Twitter. Oh yeah, someone did a uh, uh, frick Mary kill with you. Max Boltman, and I don't know if you know Max, he's the uh, the Red Wings beat writer for The Athletic. Oh, okay. And, and yeah. who was the third? Rowan, one of our listeners. Yeah, one of our listeners who's, uh, he's an Aussie, and he's you know, kind of notorious within Red Wings Twitterdom. And uh, yeah, we said we would kill Rowan because he's kind of dangerous, and I think we would have to. Uh, Max is a very stable, intelligent guy, and so you have to marry him. And, uh, Which means I get fricked. Yeah, you yeah. get fricked. You... The word, the word passionate was used. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's fair enough. So apologies to your wife. <laughs> you, you know what? I I think she'd be cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah, guys, when I, when I tell you that there's going to be more crossover between the, uh, the Winged Wheel podcast and Steve Dangle, I take that as you will. <laughs> I yeah. meant more in hockey content, but I don't know. Things get weird over here. Got some freaking to do. All right, uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, good luck with everything. Yeah, including the frickin'. Welcome back. That was Steve Dangle with the Winged Wheel podcast. Like we said, there's going to be a lot of crossover between us, <laughs> hopefully not weird ways. Um, always ridiculously fun having Steve on the show. Um, yeah, that's a lot of Leafs talk. They're the probably most storied team in the Atlantic right now, just in terms of media attention, not even just because hockey media constantly revolves around Toronto, but because of the whole Mitch Marner thing. Um, Who? Yeah, that's pretty, that's what Steve tried to say. We're not talking about it again, Ryan. We're done. Move on. All right, who do we want to look at next? From the Ottawa Atlanta? Senators. You guys want to do Ottawa yes, Senators? Yes, right, we're done. <laughs> let's feel better about ourselves for a moment All here, right. Ryan. One team will be above. <laughs> Well, well, in all likelihood, in all likelihood, unless some team just goes on a heater, they did get unless rid of Cody Jimmy CC. Howard gets knocked out for the season. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you guys want to do the Ottawa Senators, okay. So notable signings for the Ottawa Senators: Colin White. They signed for six years. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Ennis, Ron Hainsey, Nikita Zaitsev, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I was getting to the trade. It's not good. I feel really bad, actually. They really are like the ex-Leafs right now. Uh, so their trades, they picked up Ryan Callahan. They did not improve enough to be picking up Ryan Callahan's contract. Uh, they got Artem Anisimov from Chicago. This is like the replacements. 
Yeah, they got rid of Cody Cece, but they got Connor Brown, Nick Zaitsev, and uh, another piece there. Let's not also forget their new head coach was the Leafs' assistant coach last year. Yeah, and it wasn't that didn't Eugene Melnick like chirp him or something like? Oh yeah, months ago before he, they hired him. They still have Eugene Melnick, so that's yeah. That's how their season's gonna go. Their starting goalie's what fifty two right now. Something like that. Poor Craig Anderson, buddy. He needs to run or retire. I love Craig Anderson like so much. He is just in the worst possible scenario for himself right now. Here's the thing. Ottawa's not going to be a good team, plain and simple. They still have all the problems surrounding Eugene Melnick, although he's been pretty quiet this summer. We can go on and on about all the things that are going to suck about them. They do have some promising spots. Thomas Shabbat, Eric Brandstrom, Brady Kachuk. Drake Batherson as well. Batherson yeah. should be good. These they're, they're- Prospect pipeline's good. They like there's there have been teams who have been way more in the gutter and have looked way worse in the prospect pipeline. Believe it or not, that team's core has not been completely ruined. They do have a bad habit of trading away the best players in the league at their respective positions. They should probably stop doing that, but they still have a lot coming up. They can only win while their players are on their ELCs, otherwise, they won't pay them. Well, here's the thing everybody on Ottawa is going to be on an ELC soon. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, the one even more pessimism for Ottawa, uh, Dom season. I read Dom's season preview of them, and uh, he pointed out Brady Kachuk's stats with uh, with Mark Stone and without Mark Stone. Brady Kachuk's a really good player, but might need to pump the brakes on Brady Kachuk a little bit. <laughs> I'm withholding comment on that because I've made very clear what my opinion was on the Brady Kachuk ceiling or what my projection was. And whenever you talk about whatever, where a player's ceiling is, the thing that tends to happen is people take their first, like, 13 or 15 games, and they when they immediately are producing, they're like, see, you were wrong. I'm like, I, I, this was part of what I projected. This is what I said would happen. He's going to do really well right away, but I think there's a ceiling here that we're not really discussing. But I digress. Ottawa's Ottawa. Like Evan said, <laughs> we already said what we, ha- what we can. We're done. That's it. That's quick. Florida Panthers, massive offseason. Their biggest acquisition was Joel Quenville. And part of bringing in Joel Quenville, who has a championship pedigree, kind of nuts that Chicago even got rid of him, was promising him that they'd solve goaling, goalie uh, or the, the netminder position. And did they ever? Um, with a very expensive Sergei Bobrovsky, a seven-year contract at $10 million. And they, and they drafted Spencer Knight. Yes. At 13th overall, was it? Yep. So they've, co- they've checked That's, those boxes. Yeah. Wow. They brought in Anton Strahlman. Uh, they brought in Brett Connolly. And besides that, not too many other big moves. Um, but like Steve actually mentioned, they got a lot of really strong pieces. Uh, Barkoff, they have... Um, Huberdo, Ekblad. Trocek. Yes, Trocek is a guy whose name I couldn't think of. Dodonov. Yeah. Hoffman. By all rights, that team should have done better than they were last year. And how do you change a team's performance when they're underperforming based on talent? Coaching. And goaltending. And you just brought in two of the best free agents in either category. I don't think Steve's crazy in saying Florida's due for a big year. Um, where Where is a team weak right now? Where Where are they weak? Who do they, other than Ekblad, who else do they have on defense? Strawman, Matheson, Yandel. Ekblad's probably overrated at this point, right? But he's still good. He's still good. Yeah, that's I, that's not a bad core. This is my point. Where are the Panthers weak? 
the answer in the stands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. That's about it right now. So that's uh, probably the equation for a in pretty season, good hockey team. Season yeah. ticket sales. <laughs> yeah, just about. All right, the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, I can't put it my finger on what I feel about the Sabres at any given point. In theory, they should be better. They're like one of those girls you see on Instagram who look hot sometimes and then other times it's like this different lighting. You're like, ah, I'm not too sure anymore. That's me on Instagram. I oh, have like... That's, I post that's why I have this beard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm immune to lighting. <laughs> I, uh, I take one good picture every six months and that's what I post. And then when people see me in person, I see them flinch a little bit. They're I haven't like, posted oh. one in a year, so that that goes uh, where I'm trending. Sometimes people who follow like the podcast Instagram account will see me comment, and then they'll follow me. I'm like, oh, for your sake, don't do that. Yeah, what? Well, that's a dead. Mine's a dead account. Uh, they brought or they re-signed Jeff Skinner, an eight-year deal worth nine million dollars per year. Um, they brought in Marcus uh, Johansson, two years at four and a half mil per. Um, not a terrible amount like they brought in jake mccabe on defense because somehow they needed more defense they uh, brought in jimmy vc from new york they robbed chicago of uh, henry yoki in my mind they brought in colin miller so they really did shore up their defense um who they draft where did they draft who they draft i forget dylan cousins right behind us yes oh yeah that's uh that's, that's a bad. hell of a pick that is a an excellent pick for them to get there god He's damn it no why do we have why do we have to be in the Atlantic? Yeah, but here's the thing, because this wrist aligning thing could go sideways, and the Sabres short up positions. I like their top six forwards with Reinhardt, Skinner, Eichel, and company. Uh, their top four defense with Darlene and Montour and Miller should at least be possible. Their goaltending is still bad, and their depth is still bad. So if they just lean on the horses and they do well, and Hutton holds up at least adequately... Maybe make a run at a wild card spot. If those things don't happen and their depth gets exposed, they are closer to Detroit than a wild card spot. We'll say. Yeah, they're certainly the uh, exactly what you'd think of a wild card team to be. They could be really good. They could be really bad. Buffalo could finish anywhere from eighth to fourth in the Atlantic, and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, they're not um, like. Deline is going to get a lot better. Like, he already was really great, and he's going to get a lot better. That guy's going to win Norris trophies. Jack Eichel really is a superstar that people don't pay enough attention to. Um, one thing I want to talk about regarding Buffalo, Rasmus and If anyone else brings up that stupid trade rumor with no substantiation at all in the world, please, for the love of God, send me your password so I can delete your Twitter account. Please. It is unsubstantiated i get that it's interesting to talk about i get that another place another website or whatever it is a blog picked up the original blog that just generates garbage they picked up their rumor and re put it out there two weeks later it's not real there's nothing there and if it does happen after i say this it is a coincidence i have talked to anyone who knows anything this isn't a real thing i'm telling you that is it i we have talked to sources every source we've ever had we've talked to it's not real it's not there. Ryan, you're upsetting the dogs. Anthony Mantha is not being traded for Rasmus Ristolainen. There's no five-player trade. Please. You just ruined your timeline because that's all it's going to be now. It's 100% what it's going to be now. It is a coincidence. Like It just it doesn't even make sense, right? Ristolainen has significantly underperformed. 
And Anthony Mantha is just now showing that he can reach his like true potential. We talk about best case scenario with players developing. He's showing that he still has the ability to like realize all that talent. And we just drafted better Rasmus Ristolainen. Significantly. This is not happening. Please don't buy into people's garbage like that. It's not worth your time. Should we just start posting these rumors on our website we just should. to get the clicks? We should. Hold on. Let's think of one. Realistic, but... Darren Helm. No, and, we got to no, be no, realistic. No, Darren Helm and Athens CU for... Uh, uh, his name is keeping me on Edmonton. Dreisaitl. That's what we're going to say. No, that's too unrealistic. Too high of a profile name. We got to get here. I'm going to say we are... Um, Athens CU... Okay. Uh, and fourth to Anaheim uh, for Hampus Lindholm and a fifth. I think that's less egregious. Yeah, it is. So let's post it on the site. We'll get some traction here. No, no, no. It's got to be nuts to get the traction. That's the thing. Okay, well, fine then. Um, I was talking to Max about this. What are we even trying for? We can just make garbage up and get 20,000 followers. Yeah, so we need like a true name here. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I got it. Philip Zadina. Okay. Okay. Philip Zadina. Uh, Philip Zadina for Mitch Marner straight up. That one will get clicks. That one will get clicks. You know there that. There we go. Clicks. Um, the Detroit Red Wings are going to offer sheet. Braden Point. Okay. And then they're going to trade him. Oh. To Montreal for Cole Caulfield in a first. Oh, look at that. At Winged Will Pod Twitter account now has 50,000 followers. <laughs> the moment you said that. <laughs> It is okay for you guys to exercise a lot of honest criticism and engage with a lot of grains of salt when you're reading this crap, especially on Twitter. Just as uh, in case you didn't know, Twitter's free. <laughs> Twitter's free. The wet, the internet is mostly free. You could just say things. And before- Have you ever uh, – there's this website that does machine learning and it um, has – it's obviously continually developing algorithms on troll bots on Twitter. Yep. You can you have you used that website no. before? Sentinels dot something. I'm just hmm. assuming that's where Rowan comes from. Uh yeah, and I my account was five percent troll bot. That's funny. Yeah, I was like, what? I don't tweet I think it's because I only tweet about like one or two subjects, and that's what it kind of picks up on. But yeah, you oh, can run mine. it on your own account. But it shows you like who the biggest troll bots are on Twitter and whatnot. Oh my god, mine's gotta be in like the high fifties. No, I think most of it was political, so I can't say anymore. Ryan won't let me. <laughs> no, no, we're certainly not allowed. Uh, we we're just talking about Buffalo. Okay, they just brought in Ralph Kruger to replace Phil Housley as coach. So, again, another change in regime there. So, we'll see what happens. Um, Buffalo's overdue to get out of this. Whatever they're doing. Whatever They've they're They've picked doing. in the top ten in the draft for, what, nine straight years or something like that? Something like that. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Interesting team, in my mind. A really interesting team because... Did they overachieve last year? Yes. In my mind, yes, significantly. Um, they didn't do a terrible amount. They got rid of uh, Andrew Shaw, and they got rid of another like AHL-level player. It's mostly they dealt in picks. We know they had that offer sheet for Sebastian Ajo. Ajo obviously was matched by Carolina, so he stayed with Carolina. They have the cap space to be doing something. They haven't quite done anything yet, um, so it's... There, a lot of it's going to change between our prediction for them now and the start of the regular season. Uh, no really big signings like Joel Armia, Ben Chirot from um, Winnipeg. 
Xavier Ouellette got another contract there. Notable for Red Wings fans. Because he's French. Yeah. Not but he's, he's France French. That's where he was born. Oh. Well, I mean. He grew up in Quebec. It's fine. <laughs> here's the thing. I don't think Montreal is a bad team. I think they did a really great job and surprised a lot of people last year, including myself. I think they've found a great spot for Tomas Tatar. He's found a lot of success in that top line. Um, Max Domi is looking good. Looks really good. But, but here's the thing. I, I can't see Tatar, Domi, Gallagher, and like everybody having as impactful of a season next year as they did this year. At least one of those guys has to regress. But as Steve mentioned earlier, the Carey Price X factor... He will. They will go as far as he carries them, which could be pretty far. And uh, I, I would expect Cotton Kanyemi to take another step forward. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. He's only going to get better. And he did look good his first year. He had year. a full summer in the gym. Yeah. Nick Suzuki might get a full-time spot this year. That could help. Ryan Paling comes in. That could help. Oh, he's on pace for what? 30,000 goals? 40,000 yeah. goals. Yeah, so... If he replicates his la- his goals per game last season, he will score 166 goals this year. No, 246 goals. For them to find real success, my, I guess, I don't know, hot take, I don't think this is a really hot take. For them to find real success, they need to find a way to keep Shea Weber as effective as he can. Whether that means optimizing his minutes, whether that means protecting him earlier in the season so he's more effective later on, like LeBron. He's, he's one of the most talented players on that team, and they need him. Their biggest key to success will be getting Victor Mete a goal because that will bring team morale up infinity. He's played two seasons in the league and still doesn't have one. And he's not like a defensive defenseman. Yeah, wasn't he touted as like a very high offensively calibered player? Yes, and he's a hundred and something games into his career with zero goals. He's Riley Shehang this thing, except he's a defenseman, so it's more acceptable. The Boston Bruins. Obviously, cup finalists. Obviously, disappointed that they lost. There's almost a little bit of an upset that they lost to the St. Louis Blues. Um, not a lot has changed with their team over the summer. They haven't really had the chance to change anything over the course of the summer. Um, At it, some point, the lack of depth and the long playoff runs have to catch up to them. At some point, it has to happen. They've played a lot of hockey in the past decade. A lot of hockey. And a lot of those guys are wearing those miles. Steve mentioned this. Padres Bergeron has a lot of hard miles on him. Zdeno Chara... This, He's a cyborg. This is his last season. Like This has to be his last season. Yes, you have two of the best contracts in hockey, Brad Marchand and David Pasternak. And I don't say that lightly. Like Legitimately, two of the best contracts in professional hockey. Um, two of them might equal one Mitch Marner shortly. Who? <laughs> it's... Uh, I'm not going to discount this team. They are far too talented. Every time I think we discount them, yeah. they do something No, we didn't suspect. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking, because I think they were my pick to regress last year. They didn't. In my head, they're my pick to regress this year, so I'm absolutely positive they're going to win the division. Yeah, you guys can do that. I'm going to save myself from sticking my foot in my mouth again. Uh, and then the last team, or this, the last team before Detroit, is the Tampa Bay Lightning, who somehow, some way find a way to make moves over the course of an offseason with no They added Shattenkirk for nothing. They added Patrick Maroon for nothing. They got rid of the Ryan Callahan deal for nothing. They picked up Mike Condon, whose contract is less than half of Callahan's, and they downgraded from a fifth to a sixth. And that fifth to a sixth will be the difference of, like, what, four picks? (laughs) Probably one if they win the cup. Uh, They got rid of JT Miller. They got rid of Slater Cuckoo. 
they picked up uh, back. And this in- is why super teams are bad. They're not even a super team. They're just so well constructed. They pick up Patty Maroon. They signed Shattenkirk to what might be a brilliant contract. One year, $1.75 million. They locked up Andre Vasilevsky for eight years at $9.5 million a year. They're all in. They have been all in, but they really are all in. If Tampa doesn't win a cup in the next three to five years, it's going to make for one fascinating ESPN 30 for 30. That would be an absolute failure. <laughs> they're... Uh, they're really going to have to figure out this point thing, though, right? Because that their entire offense and their entire future will eventually shift towards or away from Stamkos, and they're going to need another premier center. They have set up the salaries on that team where you can't pay Braden Point more than Kucherov or any of your leaders on that team. And he might end up taking that because of uh, you know income tax and all of that. And you, if you think back to the Red Wings when Nick Lidstrom was still playing, no one was allowed to earn more than Nick Lidstrom. So if Tampa Bay was able to instill the same kind of philosophies, then everybody's that... kind of got on board with that. It's worked so far. He hasn't signed yet. I know everyone's just kind of waiting for the Mitch Marner uh, floodgates to open first, but he's. I feel like the the Mar- whoever that guy is. <laughs> yeah, that saga. Will will be an outlier, which is upsetting. Not upsetting. It's it's confusing because like those guys are different players, but you should be able to compare where they fit in. And really, the variance is what like a million, a million and a half between however the three or four of them that you want to yeah. lump together. And here you have Marner asking for twelve million dollars. If Marner makes eleven million dollars, Braden Point's not taking nine, right? Uh, Braden Point's going to be asking for $11 million as well. It all depends on how it is, uh, where each team's management sets the line. Like, if the Leafs are like, well, this is what Awesome Matthew's getting, and that's what we're setting it at, or they're going way lower than that, that's what it is. Tampa Bay could be like, well, our best player makes this much money, our second best player makes this much, we're, we're willing to offer you this. Do you accept Montreal's four first-round picks for Braden Point? Yeah. You take anyone's four first-round picks for your player. Yeah, you have to. It's four first-round picks. I can't. Well, I have a lot of cap space. The like players I would consider protecting from four first-round picks: Connor McDavid, maybe Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you, you yeah. Keep, you keep I guess McKinnon. I, I guess that contract. They have to be a center. They have to be young. And you have to have them locked up long term for me to say, yeah, definitely protect them for four first round picks. Four first round picks is a stupid thing to have in there because it'll just stop the offer sheet. I don't want to say stupid, but like it'll it'll prevent that level of offer sheet ever going. Forward. I still think the team that does it matters. If it's Montreal, you're going to be getting probably four first round picks anywhere from picks like five to twenty. If it's Tampa Bay that's offer sheeting someone, eh, I don't know if I want four like 29th overall picks because those are low percentage picks you don't get to be as good as tampa bay is and still have all of your picks to offer though that's the thing yeah you're not going to get it from teams that matter. they, have, they have to be your own picks yeah. they have to be your oh, own yeah. picks. that's tough all right the so, detroit red wings and just as a qualifier we're gonna have a whole episode dedicated to the red wing season previews we're not gonna dive too far in yeah why are we even gonna but we're just gonna do a general overview adam ernie uh, Valtteri, Philpula, Patrick Nemeth, Calvin Picard are the biggest like signings from outside. Oliver Kasky. Anyone else was internal. We know what this season's going to be. 
well save any more judgment than that. Yeah, we're going to have like an hour and a half deep dive onto this uh, Oh yeah, the excursion of a season. The Red Wings season preview is often a longer episode, like 90 minutes plus. Just as long as the season feels. Yes. Okay, from everyone, a dark horse... An overachiever, or sorry, dark horse, a dark horse, an underachiever, and your standings prediction. Okay. So all of our dark horses first. Okay. Does Florida even really count? Uh, it's the obvious pick. Um, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick them. Uh, my dark horse, I don't, I don't even count it as a dark horse, but based on the expectations Steve set. I'll say Toronto. I think they, they've got enough power up front. They could, assuming Marner signs, they could give Tampa a run for the division. Not that they will, but they'll, I think Tampa is going to come down a bit. I think Toronto will bump up a bit. I almost, Tyson Berry on the back end helps. I uh, almost threw up my ring of lows. When Brad's I, I'm not going to be happy when it happens, but I when? think. You're saying when? Oh, man. You're more optimistic than Steve. When you have Charles. Marner, Matthews, Nylander, no, Tavares, Riley, Barry, it's going to happen eventually. It has to. Thank you, Evan, for keeping us on track. Yeah. Brad's priorities are all askew. <laughs> I don't want it to happen. Um, and again, ob- the obvious pick is Florida, so I'm not just going to pick Florida. Ottawa Senators. Let me tell you. Let me sell you on the Ottawa Senators. Oh, are you actually? No, no. It's going to be the worst. But maybe Thomas Shabbat goes on an absolute heater. Um, he went on an absolute heater for half a season <laughs> yeah. last year, and they still finished last. <laughs> um, a dark horse team that's not – well, I'm not picking Toronto. I'll say Buffalo. I think Jack Eichel is going to take another step forward this year. Um, and I think with them adding a few pieces on D, it will help alleviate the 50 minutes Ristolainen has to play every night. And I think that might help him realize his game a little better. And then, you know, if Carter Hutton just plays average, I think that they have a, maybe a chance of making the playoffs. That's, you know, me trying to sell them as a dark horse. That was my pick as well. I think if I'm going to pick a team to find success when we weren't expecting them to, they picked up a lot of very competent, possibly underrated defensemen. Colin Miller, Yoki Haru are both players that I really would love to have on uh, my team's uh, defensive core. Um, Jack Eichel's only getting better. Yeah, Jeff Skinner came in expensive, but he's still going to be a net positive for your team. And Rasmus Dillon, again, I maintain, is going to be a Norris Trophy winner. Yeah, Whether it happens this season or not is up in the air, but if I had to pick a dark horse, it would be them. Uh, team to underachieve, Brad. Montreal. They're one carry price injury from being a basement squad i don't love much of their roster at all i'm again almost the entire roster overachieved to an extent last year shea weber is getting older carrie price is probably getting angrier and i just i can't see like i said tatar dino gallagher domi all of them repeating the career years they have. They have not done a lot in the offseason to improve the team. Like I said, Andrew Shaw was surprisingly effective for them last year, so losing him actually does hurt the team. So I don't, I just don't see, especially in this division, how they repeat what they did last year. And keep in mind, what they did last year was miss the playoffs. Not barely, but they missed the playoffs. Mm hmm. So people, they were one year away from picking third in the draft yeah, last year. Exactly. 
so underachieve. So that means that they have some expectations that they should achieve something. Okay. I I don't expect the Red Wings to achieve much. I don't expect Ottawa to achieve anything. Um, I'd say the Leafs, but I don't have a good case or I don't have a good reason to say why they could underachieve. You know, maybe they get into a bunch of injuries and <laughs> and they have a bad stretch for a little while. But Marner just doesn't sign. The, the <laughs> William Nylander doesn't score for twenty five goals or games. Um, maybe then I want to say Florida maybe underachieves, but they look they look good at the end of the last season. And they've only added in the best types of ways. So, underachieve, I, I honestly have no idea. Anybody. That's what I'll write down for Evan. Everyone. I like Brad's take on Montreal. That's kind of what I was thinking. A lot had to go right for them to have that kind of success last year. That would be my answer down on paper. If you want a different perspective, I think if Marner misses games this year and this extends into the season... I don't see how this would be any different or even easier than the Nylander situation. I think it would be just as bad. I think it's more impactful. A hundred percent more impactful. Um, player can't miss camp and come in all guns ablaze, right? Um, and it's bad for the team. Like this is a team under the hockey universe's microscope. Oh, that's that's a that's a that's a cancer for sure. Yeah. So if that extends into the season, then that is a team I can see having a hard time finding success, especially in the first half, which is a story we've heard a million times. All right, uh, Brad, from eight to one, I want your prediction on the Atlantic Division standings. Okay. Ottawa, Detroit, Montreal, Buffalo, Florida, Boston, Toronto, Tampa. All right, Evan. Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, Montreal, Boston, Florida, Toronto, Tampa. Uh, this is tough. Bottom two are going to be... <laughs> I'm... No, I won't do it. Uh, Ottawa and then Detroit. Um... I'm going to go Montreal here, and then Buffalo, and I want to get cheeky and put Toronto farther down, but I won't. Uh, And then Florida, Boston, Tampa, Toronto. Toronto turns it around. You couldn't copy me fully, could you? You got there and realized it was identical. No. Can't do it. You guys think Florida's a lot lower. I think it's going to take them time to gel as a team, get used to a new coach's system. Bobrovsky's usually a slow starter. I still think come playoff time, they're going to be an actual force. But I think my guess is they're going to have a rocky start and then kind of playing catch up for the rest of the year. Anytime a goalie's in a new city and then has to be unreal from the start, it usually takes a little while for that. I don't even know if he needs to be unreal. No, he, he, he probably won't. He needs to be good. I think, like I said, it's it's a brand new coach, brand new systems. Uh, not a huge thing, but the the assistant coach who ran their second ranked power play last year is gone. So these guys are living in Florida for God's sakes. It's not Winnipeg. They've been on the beach for four months. Like they're gonna be ready to go. Nowhere that possible. might actually be an argument to the contrary. Well, they don't know what some of those Russian guys get up to with too much sunshine and free time and money on their hands. Uh, Dodonov is he's on a different planet right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, is that it? 
we're going to head over to overtime now. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's go to overtime. Uh, so overtime, of course, is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Uh, as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show, uh, we read out their questions on air as our way of uh, saying thank you. I know I repeated that, so if you're about to type that out, I caught it this time. Uh, Tyler C. says, not a question, but just a suggestion. I just had a birthday party for my twin two-year-old boys, and a bounce house for $200 on Amazon was the best decision of my life. Hashtag babysitter. Hashtag babysitler. Hashtag beer and prospects tournament. Can I interject very quickly? Yeah. Um, did we talk about Gardner? Oh, no. No, we didn't. Jake Gardner signed for four years. Was it $4 million? 4.05. I thought it was going to be a six to seven year contract for at least $7 million, if not six and a half. That's great value. Not He wouldn't have signed in Detroit for that much. He talked about wanting to go to a competitor. Hey, come on. Well, it's like everyone was like, would you want to see Gardner there? And I was like, you know what? Like, he's not a bad player. Like, he'll obviously make this team better. He'd be easily the best defenseman, but not for the price and like the timing with his age and everything. For that term and for that money, I would absolutely any team would be thrilled to have Gardner. Oh yeah, kind of ridiculous that Toronto couldn't make it work for that number. He needed out of Toronto. You find a way to get rid of Cody CC after you traded for him through that arbitration rule or whatever, and then you bring back Gardner for those numbers. Are you kidding me? Gardner needed to leave Toronto. I, he, I think he wanted to stay. Nah, anyways, uh, K was says, "Wait, we're really at division previews? My God, time flies." Presented by Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. Uh, did you guys see that Texas is back? But seriously, they're actually a pretty good team. We're seriously only a month from the start of hockey season. I haven't put, uh, watched almost any college football so far. Michigan went to overtime with Army. Uh, Double no, overtime. That, but they won, so that's all that matters. Double overtime against Army. Uh, Ryan Kern says, hey, boys, I'm in Ireland, and I had to share this. Last week was the All-Ireland Final, which is uh, Celtic football. Kind of a mix between soccer and rugby. Basically, their Super Bowl. Really fun to watch. We were watching in a pub in Killarney with a few locals. Kerry was trying to prevent Dublin from winning their fifth straight final, which would have been a record. So naturally, most of the country was decked out in the green and gold of Kerry. When the final whistle blew, the score was 116 to 1, like 1-16-1-16 after a few missed points by Dublin in the final minutes. We're sitting there expecting overtime or penalty kicks, but everyone was getting up to leave. Turns out when there's a tie, they replay the final two weeks later which was the most bizarre thing I think I've ever heard. Well, that's just un-American. Uh, also, all of these players are technically amateurs, as none of them are getting paid, and they'll all be back at their day jobs when the season is over. Still, it was fun listening to the fans complain about refs and poor decisions on the field. Nice to know that sports is a universal language. Cheers, boys. Um, oh, stay tuned to the end of the episode. We have to talk about the giveaway. Liz Barbudo says, I've been on the team tank for the past two seasons. I don't think I can do it for a third. So this year, if they win, cool. If they lose, cool. Just as long as the key guys are making progress. I mean, yeah, that's how you have to look at every season right now. Yep. Uh, I would appreciate it, though, if they could avoid having eight game losing streaks. And if the first win could happen before almost the end of October, that'd be great. I really hope they win the home opener. Uh, I've been to, I believe, seven games at the LCA so far. and They've won a total of one. The home opener would make a good time for win number two. Have we seen a win there? I yeah, I have not. I don't think I have. Not at the LCA. I might have, although I, it must have been forgettable. I got the Buffalo blowout, the Buffalo blowout, the OT loss against the Islanders, the OT loss against Columbus. That's it. Yeah, those are the three I've got at the LCA. <laughs> I've, I'm over. Uh, Liz continues to say, "You guys do a great job with the podcast. I'm glad I found it. Started listening around the end of last season. Looking forward to listening for a full season this year. Thank you so much, Liz." Uh, your support means so much to us. 
tell a friend. Yeah, if you guys uh, like the podcast, tell your friends. Uh, Joe Caboose119Z Falzone says, which currently successful team does Detroit's rebuild most resemble? Hmm. Um, currently successful team. Okay. So team was cap tied and made it out of it. I'd say Chicago, but they're not out of it yet. But they've won a lot. It's it's hard because Detroit. I would say like a Toronto, but Toronto was made. Toronto got out of their rebuild because they won the draft lottery and, and they drafted went, superstars and they went nuclear. Yeah. Um, okay. You know what? They only St. Have- Louis because they never really got bad. Like truly, like top. They've never had the top one, two, three, four pick, top five pick. They had Petrangelo like a decade ago. Were they cap strapped? Yeah, they're usually a cap team. Yeah. St. Louis comes to mind. Dallas comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah, Nashville. It's, it's difficult because it's not really good. Of, we haven't gotten nuclear like some no. teams. Uh, Joshua Bazura says, hey, boys, been a minute since I've asked something. I was just recently reminded of Damian Bruner and had a very fun flashback to the last time Detroit was relevant back in 2013. Anyway, my question is, what do you guys think about Bruner back in 2013? I remember being really excited about him, but I was a lot younger and still saw everything about Detroit as perfect, so I was excited about everything. Did he really Did he really look good in the moment? I think he went to Jersey for a little bit and then back to the Swiss League, if I'm not mistaken, so I'm just curious what the consensus was back then. Keep up the good work, boys. Detroit is counting on you. He was reasonably productive playing on the third lines uh, as a pretty young player at the time. Like, not mega young, but young enough. So we all got excited. There was general optimism around and confusion when Detroit didn't sign him. I know in the in that little playoff run they had, the third line of him, Nyquist, and Anderson was, like, on fire. I think Bruner even had an OT playoff goal. He reminded me of a younger Samuelson, honestly, in the way his production came up. Yeah. Uh, I think Zetterberg personally was like we need to bring this guy to our camp so i th- was that how that happened I th- yeah i think because he knew him or played with him at, at some in some capacity and he vouched for him so i was like well that's good enough for me maybe during the lockout wherever yeah. Zetterberg went and played that's what i was thinking um yeah it wasn't terribly surprising when he didn't pan out after he left because he wanted the money who do you, who gave him a bad contract new jersey Bruner? Yeah. No, nobody gave him a bad contract. He, went, he, th- he had a couple cup of two in New Jersey, but that was it. Who am I thinking of that went to Philly? Leno. Leno. I'm thinking oh, of Philly, Philly Leno. Yeah, Leno. he had the bad contracts. And that was he played Buffalo. for Buffalo, too. Yeah. Buffalo gave him the bad contract. Uh, Eric Baker says, oh, hey there. Back in the day when we were looking ahead to the 2018 draft, one of this podcast points of emphasis on potential draft pick, Evan Bouchard, was that he got shots through traffic from all over the ice. Based on what I've seen from the prospect tournament, small sample size, yeah, yeah, it seems like this is also a strength of Mo's cider. Considering yep. that skill is something that the Red Wings need badly, how does Mo's ability compare to Bouchard's here? Will he score 500 goals in his first season? Yay, hockey. Well, he can't shoot as hard as Evan Bouchard. No, and he's not quite the natural passer that Evan Bouchard is, but he skates infinitely better than Bouchard and defends better than Bouchard. So that's a plus. Uh, yeah, he'll never have the offensive upside Bouchard does, but if he can hold his own in that category his offensive instincts are basically bouchard light he can make good seam passes but not like bouchard can he can see some passes that other people don't but not like bouchard can and his shot from the point gets through 
but it's not as hard or accurate as Bouchard's. Bouchard is. reminds me a lot of Shea Weber in some ways. Bouchard's really slept on as a prospect because he went to Edmonton, and if it's not the if the storyline isn't about McDavid or about Edmonton sucking, you don't really get looked at. Um, the guy's a premier defensive prospect and will be a really great defenseman in this league if he pans out. Um, and that's not taking away anything from Osider, but Evan Bouchard going where he went was expected, just to give you an idea. He went 10th. That was low. Yeah. Uh, Rowan, or sorry. Yeah. Rowan says, good day, dud duds. Hung over again as our week of rugby celebrations finally comes to an end. My internal organs are very relieved. How many times do you think you mentioned Joe Valeno by name in this episode? Oh, I think Brad said Joe Valeno, just Joe Valeno, like a word's Joe Valeno consecutively like six times earlier. Uh, Craig Kibble says, keeping it short this week, after watching two prospect games, what's your overly hot take on one prospect this year? Um, my hot take on Joe Valeno is that he sees first-line power play minutes this year in the NHL. In the NHL. Yeah, that's my hot take. Well, Giovanni take- Smith is second PP net front. That's that's too hot. That's, You're gonna burn. The where's the down. bell? Yeah, the hottest of takes. You're nuts. You're crazy, yeah. man. Well, I, I, you asked for a hot take. Yeah, you're right. Two thirds of the season, uh, Joe Hicketts will be a regular in the Detroit Red Wings lineup. Uh, Nick says, "Hey there, dud duds." You know how sometimes you suddenly realize something that should have been obvious to you all along? Well, after last week's bizarrely sexual episode, I finally realized that if I become a patron, I can make Ryan say whatever I want. So after a year or so of listenership, here I am. Uh, I'm scared, and thank you for your support. Uh, through the first two games of the Prospect Tournament, aside from the obvious guys like Hiroshi, Zadina, Valeno, and Sider, who has caught your attention, good or bad? Um, Brad already brought up Lindstrom. I felt similarly. I was kind of expecting more from Lindstrom. Um, Kuffner kind of surprised me a little bit to start before he really just kind of became what I expected him to. It's tough because those events aren't. Oh, Caden Fulcher didn't look good. Caden no, Fulcher he was did terrible. not look good at all. That's that was surprising to me. I was hoping for a better showing from him. The overtime goal that he let in um, against Chicago was he should have saved that. Um, Lucas Vicious looked decent he doesn't have the raw tools to ever be an elite nhl but he, you can tell he thinks the game really well um elmer soderblom uh both got me really excited and really pissed me off at several points fun name to this say season. too yeah the six foot seven guy is deceptively fast has good skill and created a lot of chances from that but there were multiple times where he had a lane to the net and as long as he leaned on the defenseman could have got a chance off and it was shocking how easily the defenseman knocked him off the puck when you're six foot seven or whatever he is that that shouldn't happen so he both intrigued me and aggravated me all at the same time so he could be my answer to both sides of that question uh nick toyez says how's it going gents ryan good luck with my last name again (laughs) you said it right before but i don't comment enough for you to remember i'll tell you the right pronunciation at the meetup uh with the prospect tourney going on there's chemistry between hiroshi valeno and zadina do you guys think they should be looked at as a potential second or third line starting the season? Uh, I know we all have the bad contracts. We have all the bad contracts and bottom six players, but how much better would those guys really do versus a kid line? That kid line would be fun, man. That kid line would be fun. And as much as we like jokingly and sarcastically dump on Blashill for like not playing the kids enough or there's no way he'd do this with a 19-year-old or whatever, 
there legitimately is no reality in which Jeff Blaschel would parade out an all-rookie line. No. Could they all three of them be on the team at one point? Absolutely possible. Would all three of them be on the same line? I'd be shocked. There would have to be a lot of injuries for that to happen. You need to be an award-winning coach to do something crazy like that. <laughs> and again, I love Leno. I love Zadina. I love Rossi. Is anyone even remotely con- confident that any of those three are ca- even capable defensively in the NHL at this point. Forget good, just capable. I would say Hiroshi, no. Zadina, no. Valeno, maybe, but probably not. So if you put them all three on the line, they may create some really fancy scoring chances and some really cool offense. They're- they are going to get shells in their own zone. Yeah, they'd have a rough time. Uh, Joseph Fournier says, uh, the opening title of The Simpsons, zoom through the clouds, pan over the city of Springfield, and through the window of Springfield Elementary. Bart Simpson scribbles repeatedly on the chalkboard. I will not question Iserman's draft picks. Only two games in, and I'm loving the prospect tournament, specifically the way that these guys are playing together. Let's pretend for a moment that Cider has a meteoric rise in Traverse City that carries on through preseason. There's no choice but to put him on the Wings roster. Is the corresponding move to make room for him a trade or a wave? How long does he stay up? Please note, this is a best-case scenario pipe dream fantasize to your heart's content. Thanks for the birthday shout-out last week. I'm still dead from daily drinks with friends in New York City in need of resurrection. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Keeping your Jake Gardner fresh on arrival in Carolina. Product not guaranteed on meatless items. Cough, Cody CC. You would need several trades and waves because, like we said, there's already 9 to 10 guys realistically competing for 6 to 7 spots. You throw another guy in that mix. Oh, Boy, that's going to get messy. And out of all the guys who are actually probably going to get sent to Grand Rapids that are that are waiver eligible, it's only Kasky and Chalosky. You're going to lose multiple guys. Uh, Eisenman has said if a guy really wins a spot, then he'll make it work. If Cider... Cider has... like He has to play to a level that I can't even describe because there still is so much to be said about, yeah, he's having a great year, but sending him to... Mannheim in Germany or even in Grand Rapids, but more likely Mannheim is still like just objectively the right course. We are going to suck this year and we are going to get shelled. I don't think it's a best environment for a young player to, to grow in. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if he lights the world on fire and that's the decision that's made to keep him with the team. Great. Like we can wave some people. We'll lose maybe a couple. It's all good. I'm not losing sleep over losing Joe Hicketts. Um, but <laughs> it better be the right decision because we're going to get pumped a lot of nights and it's going to take a lot of positive mindset from the veterans to keep yeah. a young guy like him going day in and day out. Uh, Clayton Van Dyken was seemingly bored and said, Oogie Boogie, Loogie Zaboomafu, Sloopity Poopity, Boppity Boop. Two blah blah blah. Shaluma Muma is a good one. Puma Puma. Brad 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 Brad. Evan 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 Evan. Ryan Ryan Ryan. Poop. What is this? Uh, he just want he he noticed that I would read out his comment. Oh. But decide to do that. Clayton, you weirdo. <laughs> um, Clayton, you have to uh, take more pictures with your New Jersey man. Uh, Don Mitchell says, "What up? What up, boys? Hockey's almost back, and it hasn't been a moment too soon. What else has impressed you at?" Uh, this prospect tournament other than Volano Insider. Uh, we chatted about that, luckily enough. Um, heard this question from a lesser podcast and thought it would be a good talking point. Who do you think will retire first, Crosby or Ovechkin? Uh, I say Ovi. 
I say Crosby. He's one bad hit away from it being over this year, potentially. Ovechkin's got through his entire career so far almost completely unscathed. Crosby's had several concussions. So even if he doesn't get uh, another concussion, he's probably the guy between the two who's going to tend to err on the side of caution here. If Ovi's goal scoring drops enough enough where his the Gretzky record isn't even attainable, I could see him going back to Russia earlier. Ovechkin's engine is like the old grandma who buys a car and just like goes grocery shopping, whereas Crosby's a daily commuter. Yeah. Crosby's got a lot more miles on him than Ovechkin does, so. Um, he goes on to say, I'll be saving this pod for my 13-hour trip to Traverse City on Tuesday, so I'm hoping for a four-hour-long podcast. Cheers, boys, and let's go Red Wings. Don. Uh, time for some other questions. Uh, Dave Athor says, um, thoughts on Valeno without a single assist and Zidino without a single goal this tournament? This is from Reddit. Uh, he says, we drafted them in part because they were so, so specifically good at that. Uh, busts. He meant to sarcastic. Sarcastic. I assumed. Um, Gordy, how you doing? Says from last week's comment, and to answer your question, yes, I will take Evan out on that date. We shall. We shall go to the nicest Applebee's there is. <laughs> Evan's face there. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I can't even remember the question, but you have a uh, nice date coming up. So okay. Uh, the Magic Man thirteen forty three says best case scenario. Who is Siders comparable in the NHL? Best case scenario. Um. Nicholas Lidstrom. <laughs> Stop. He's, he's got such a unique toolkit. It's it's really hard because there's not guys that are that big that skate that well. How big's um, Heiskinen? How big's he? Uh, I don't he know. He probably skates. Yeah, yeah Heiskinen's the best case scenario. They're, they're not flashy players, but they get enough done. Obviously, when he was drafted, Heiskinen's offensive toolkit was way better than Sider's is yeah, right now. He's 6'1". But Heiskinen, the calm smooth skating style yeah could see that is there any like seasoned veteran that's what i'm trying to think is like someone you mentioned vlasic before mm, i've come off that one after watching way more of cider throughout the summer i don't it's hard to say it's hard to say without getting too extreme with it right yeah exactly because you look at all the top skating defensemen well he's not eric carlson no, and that's what that's what right? came to mind so, too so i was like no that's obviously not the case he might just uh, be his own breed. What about... Uh, He's the no. first most cider. Um, Ekblad? Yeah. Maybe... Uh, does Ekblad skate that well? Not that well, but he's big. He's right-handed. Defense first. I like Ekblad's offense more yeah. than than I do ciders, but um, like I said, his offense is growing on me. Uh, what about Morgan Riley? Just not with as much offense, obviously. Yeah, that'd be a good one. But Riley's small, and I, I, yeah. I think at the NHL level right now, Sider's projecting to be a much better defender than Riley. It's yeah. I'm trying. I see a lot of guys who have bits and pieces, but I don't see anyone who has you know is a almost a comp the same person. The comparables game is crappy, but we'll still play it. Um, I'm going to wrap up comments so we can talk quickly about this giveaway. We do this giveaway every year. I know we're doing it about a week later than we should have this year. Um, this is our annual two-ticket giveaway uh, to uh, come see the Detroit Red Wings in the home opener on October 6th with us, the host of the Wing Wheel podcast. Um, so we are going to give away two tickets. One of them is going to be Patreon exclusive, and the other one is going to be open for everyone to enter, uh, including patrons, um, on Twitter. So... 
the instructions will be put out on Twitter. Twitter. We're going to post uh, this episode's tweet, uh, and there's going to be an attached picture, I think, and it'll tell you what you have to do. Follow the Winged Wheel Pod Twitter account. Bonus entries if you follow uh, myself, Brad, and Evan. Don't follow them. <laughs> Only follow me. <laughs> I, if you want fewer entries, yeah, you can make that decision. It'd be rather silly. Um, Evan's on a – you're on a – course i'm not you're laughing a, you're on a path to try yeah. and f- pass us in followers now i should tweet more <laughs> <laughs> yeah that might be more productive for yeah. you uh yeah so you'll have to retweet follow us um and then yeah if you follow the podcast or the host that's bonus entries and like i mentioned guys we're almost at a thousand subs for youtube so if you can make that happen this week that would be incredible um Thank you to all of our listeners, to all of our patrons, and congratulations, or sorry, good luck on the entries, and you get uh, double entries, like I said, automatically entered. Uh, Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Don Mitchell, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Kaylin Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Mike DiLoretto, and Hannah Lee. Those are our name-level sponsors. They're the ones who make the show happen. Thank you all so much. We will see you next week for our next divisional preview. Uh, thank you again to, to Steve Dangle for joining us on the show. And, uh, and to you, everyone asked about fantasy hockey. We're going to figure it out this week, I promise. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.